Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. What a weekend of sports. What a weekend of college football, playoff, baseball, the Red Sox. 13 innings, walking it off, bedlam at Fenway Park. They got two chances now to win one game and eliminate the Rays. The wild card could advance. It could happen. Uh, NFL, lots of storylines. Taysom Hill, concussion, knocked out of the game, although the uh, Saints win again. The Cardinals are 5-0. and After winning with a lot of offense, they win with a lot of defense. Now, they got to go against a rookie quarterback, and the Niners are not exactly an offensive uh, juggernaut. Uh, but nonetheless, Arizona's 5-0, and winning different ways. you gotta, you got to appreciate that. And college football, what a wild day. Starts with the Oklahoma-Texas shootout, the huge comeback. Spencer Rattler gets benched. Do you really want to get in too deep name, image, and likeness in college when a quarterback as accomplished as Rattler can get pulled from a game? And apparently, maybe, we'll see how it plays out, but lose his job? Incredible. And Alabama going down. That was in prime time. I think uh, 49 states and the quarter to third of Alabama that roots for Auburn all want to see that happen, and they get it. Bama suffers a rare loss. Great win for A&M. So, let's start with our local uh, teams. We've got the Utes and the Cougars coming up. We're going to start with the Jazz. The Jazz, home for uh, an exhibition game tonight and again on Wednesday. And then they get ready for the regular season opener. Let's start with Donovan Mitchell with the media. Donovan, this is totally out of the blue, but how, going into your fifth year, how are you feeling about Utah? I'm excited. I'm being about the... I'm like the state. Oh. Like living here, playing here. Man, you know, for, for someone like myself who, you know, grows up and you picture last second shots, you picture winning series, you picture going people and people wearing a jersey like, you know, this is this incredible. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, every time I see someone with my jersey or my shoes, it's just a reminder that how blessed and how fortunate I am to have this skill that I've been given, but also have a fan base that supports you and cheers for you because, you know, it's not the case. You know, everywhere, and you know, it's only 450 of us who do what we do. But particularly for myself, you know, they've been receptive for me since I got here, and you know, I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of the the reception that the the state has given me. Like even, for instance, you go to the BYU game, and you know, it's 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 incredible. So I'm I'm, I'm very thankful and, and very blessed um, for sure. You talk about imagining people, you know, seeing you and taking a last minute shot. Have you like imagined what it would be like to win the finals? Yes, uh, a bunch of times, <laughs> uh, to be honest. I think, um, you know, the fact that it's not just the Founds, but it would be the first one in history, I think, is um, is something that, you know, I think is, is it's just one of those things that just brings a smile to your face. Um, believe me, everybody, when I see people, they let me know that they can't wait for the first time to happen. So uh, we're excited. And as a group, myself, I'm excited. But the biggest thing, you just got to keep putting the work in. I think it motivates me uh, and us for sure. Uh, I think it's just one of those things that, like you said, you grow up wanting that experience in, in general, but let alone with a franchise that hasn't hasn't won one, it makes it that much more special. So that's that's the goal. That's always been the goal since I got here. Um, that's why we play this game, and you know, we won't stop till we, till we win one. You talked about how you know, it'd be special to, you know, to win one and bring it here, but is there any extra pressure knowing that it is the first one here to stay that star for it? Um, I wouldn't say there's pressure. I think there's just I, – I, I wouldn't say that's pressure. I think it's it adds to – your work ethic. I think it adds to your to my excitement when I get up to when I when I play because you're playing for something that's never been done. 
you know, and I think there's always a saying, impossible is nothing, or the word uh, impossible itself says I'm possible. You know, that's kind of how I live a bunch of a bunch of things, you know, in my life. And I think that's just this is just another thing on that on that list. Granted, it's it's a it's a pretty big accomplishment. I think for me that that's the goal, and I think that's the goal for us as a team. You know, wanting to be, to be go out there and do something that's never been done, and you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's not going to be. Uh, we're not going to be able to just get there, you know, just coasting through. We got to continue to put the work in, and I think it really adds to our motivation and our our work ethic as a group. I don't know if you talked to Rudy. Uh, let's say Rudy Gay mm-hmm. song before, you know, the Cuban Free Agency. I've talked to Eric a lot. You know, Mike resigned. Is there the talk? You know, if you did speak with them, was there a little bit of hey, we're building something special here? Come here to win the title mm-hmm. and also be a part of something special and bring in the first one here. Is that right. brought up with the free extra? Yeah, I, I think so. I think. Um, that's that's you know that's why Rudy came here. That's why Hassan came here. You come to a team that has a, a chance, you know, uh, to go out there and win. We see what we did last year, and you know, I always say it's easy to say if you know if we weren't health if we were healthy, but you know, it's, we we feel like we had a pretty good shot, and this year we feel the same way. And we add pieces like Rudy Gay, Eric Hassan, uh, Jared, who's who's been great. I think that's that's something that we just that's something that we need to do as a team to take a step. And I think we did that as far as on paper. So now it's on us to go out there and, and do it on the floor. Yeah, um, I think we got a bunch of <laughs> lot of talkers this year. <laughs> um, I think, you know, for me personally, Eric brings that side out of me more than anybody. I think Eric brings it himself. And then you got Joe, who always does his talking, but a little more this year. Uh, Hassan. Uh, Rudy Gay is talking from the side. So you got a bunch of guys that talk. You know, Royce is talking. Like we got a bunch. I think that that competitive juice, the competitive energy, brings that. But then also, uh, like we just talked about, you know, the championship aspirations. You know, I think that's what brings into it as well. Everybody's l- raising their level to be what we want to, to get where we want to get to. Um, I think that's that's where a lot of it comes from. Wherever it's a lot of it stems from. And then on top of that, us being the competitors that we are, um, you add that, and that's where you get those those practices that have really been the most physical and like most intense since I've really been here you know I, I might be missing a few practices but those have been really good you know and I mean that in a good way I mean that in a bad way I think it's been really intense and I think for us you know it's one thing to do it you know in October whatever today is but you know it's being able to do that throughout the course of the year when we're exhausted when we've played three and four when you get to the dog days of January February you get to March and you're playing for that spot and even in the playoffs you know when you're up 2-0 when you're down 2-0 that that's really where it counts and I think this is a good start for us I think for us to continue to build on that I think it's huge. Okay we got Hassan close so last question Ryan. Hey Don just could you take us through kind of the 75th anniversary, the lane video that you were part of, how did that all get set up and kind of what was your experience? Um, first of all, I'm, I'm just blessed to be a part of that, you know, to be a part of that uh, elite video or commercial, uh, video commercial, you want to call it, but I think just for me to be a part of that project was, was incredible. Um, being on that set, uh, met Oscar Robinson for the first time, had a conversation with him, and just being able to see the greats that you're that you're kind of in the commercial with, in that in that in that project with, and involved with, I think is is something that's just you know kind of going back to Andy's first question. You sit there as a kid, you know, and to be able to say that this is something that's happening, you know, it's it's truly uh, remarkable for me. I'm truly blessed and. 
and it motivates you. Uh, I think that's one. A lot of these things you, that I'm a part of and that, that we do as a team and that myself that I do is just it's it's one of those things where it's like I want to be that. I want to be one of the greats. You know, you see Magic, you see Larry, you see Bill Walton, you see um, Oscar in, in the commercial. Like those are the guys. Kobe as well. May he rest in peace. Like those were the, the the guys you grew up watching or have heard about. So now you're you're in that group and now you got to go out there as myself. Go out there, continue to work and continue to build to become, you know, ultimately one of the greats. That's why we play this game. That's why I play it. But um, I'm just fortunate enough to be in that conversation and continue to build and continue to be the best player I can be. One more from Sarah. Like Eric was saying, we talked to Jordan and Rudy yesterday, mm-hmm. and another thing that they said about practices is that it seems like you guys are maybe holding each other accountable mm-hmm. a little bit more, not just the coaches, but like just within right. the team. Right. Does, is that get difficult, like you said, in the dog days of the season, when like you have, do you have to remind yourself like it's not coming from a malicious place? Right. Like, we have to do this yeah, I think I think so. I think, and everybody's different, you know. Um, I encourage people to yell at me. I kind of, I played for a college coach that yelled a lot. <laughs> so, um, to believe me, this, believe me, you're not going to hurt my my feelings <laughs> anymore. So, like that's that's for me. But everybody's different, you know. I think, and that's the thing about. Uh, the NBA and just life in general. You can't approach. I can't talk to you. Maybe the same way I talk to Naya or the same way I talk to you. Everybody's different. It's all about holding each other accountable in the right way. You know, when you think of that, you think of kind of just berating the person in, in front of you, and that's what naturally comes to mind for people. It's all about your approach. You know, it's all about how you do it. And I think we have a team that has a bunch of good, genuine people, but also dudes that like want to hold each other accountable and want to do it the right way because we want to win. I think that's what you're seeing in these practices as well is because we want, we care about each other, but we also care about winning. And we know the level and we've seen the level that we can get to and we're, you know, we think we're now it's at a point where we're, we're, we're kind of like, look, this is where we need to be every day. You know, and it's, it's like I said, it's good to say it now. You know, it's great that we're doing it now, but we have to be able to do it continuously. And there's going to be times where we slip up. You know, no one's perfect. This 82-game season. We're going to have let-ups, but it's how we respond through those let-ups, how we respond to that adversity and continue to hold each other accountable because in order, in order for us to get to where we want to get to, we have to be able to do that, not just rely on the coaches to be able to do it for us. There is Donovan Mitchell as the Jazz get ready to play tonight. You'll hear the game right here on The Zone. More on that game coming up later in the show. Coming up next... The Cougars, after they suffered their first loss of the year to Boise State, and now they got a 5-1 and Baylor team coming up that should be a good test. And the coaching staffs know each other well, so everybody knows what the other guy's thinking. We'll get to the Cougars next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a big Pac-12 showdown against Arizona State as the Utes hope to keep their dreams of a Pac-12 title alive. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. For BYU, they didn't have their edge. They didn't have their mojo. PK was talking about uh, last week how they felt good if they didn't turn the ball over. And they turned the ball over four times. A couple fumbles on offense, a fumble on special teams, then a pick late in the game, although at that point you know, they're in a pretty desperate situation, down two scores with two minutes to go. But they lost the turnover battle 4 nothing. As much as the four is awful, probably need to force a turnover. Boise State only got two touchdowns, and they got them both off turnovers in very short fields in the second quarter. So 
What went wrong? What do they have to fix? Here is BYU wide receiver Puka Nakua. Puka, the game started out pretty well, and then it kind of turned on you guys. What happened? What did you feel on, on the sideline and, and being part of that game as it kind of turned and, and went in their favor? I think just uh, Coach Kalani always talks about the small the small and simple things, and uh, some that obviously was a big thing was ball security for us. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't go out there and handle the ball the way we wanted to, and Boise State, on their behalf, was able to capitalize on that. But I think it's just a small and simple thing. Missing some simple blocks, uh, seeing the right reads. They gave us some – just a small and simple things. They they, slow, they start to add up as the game goes on. And I thought we fought back and played hard and were able to manage the turnovers that we had. But um, when you go – when you have four turnovers, it makes it definitely harder to come back. You guys hadn't trailed at all this year. What's the mentality like? How different is it when you are down, you're down two scores, you know, you're trying to, you know, every play is important in that moment. Like what, what, what's the difference like as a player? Um, I think it's just a matter of bringing our own energy. Obviously the fans are always engaged when we're winning and that's how it's been for the most of the season for us. But uh, we need to come out there and be our own spark. So the fans have something to be excited about. And I think we were able to do that. And sometimes, and uh, we, and then we'd hurt ourselves with the penalty or obviously ball security was the thing. And we weren't connecting on all of our plays, but we're, you're never going to have a perfect game. But I thought, I mean, I'm proud of the guys. I love those guys out there in that locker room. So it was a fun, it was not a, not a fun one to lose, but uh, it was a fun one to see everybody fight. And we know we had that game. Uh, we just didn't play to the best of our abilities tonight. What's the message now moving forward? Because, I mean, coming off a loss, that can be tough to bounce back, particularly when you've been playing well and winning games. So what, what has to happen now? Uh, I think we're going to go in. Uh, everybody's going to go to church tomorrow, <laughs> relax, get the day off, get some treatment in. But then but we'll be back at it on Monday. We go out to Texas and we'll watch the film, clean up where we need to. Um, we had, we had a good game plan going in, we didn't execute the way we wanted to, but, uh, I think it's just right after Monday, we got to let this one go. It's, it always sucks to lose, but, uh, we, we love and learn it here. So we're going to learn from it and be ready to go back next week. There's BYU's Puka Nakua now. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Here's Ben Bywater. Ben, they were able to have a, a decent amount of success running the ball. What were they doing that was making them being able to Recording to get in yards? progress. Yeah, it was definitely something we were not, I guess, expecting. But Bachmeyer did a great job of, of – you could tell he had scouted what we were doing and he was making checks. And so we were then, you know, in the second quarter, third quarter, we were able to, you know – make checks according to what he was doing, but they just, they executed in a, in a a good way. I mean, it's hard to beat a team when, when you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot with, uh, you know, turnovers and penalties, but you know, hats off to them, right. They they played a great game and and we respect them, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I think the boys will make a huge jump this week and uh, I'm excited for next week's game. How hard is that? You touched on the, the turnovers, but you had a sequence there, I think second quarter where it was a fumble, they scored a touchdown, another fumble, they scored another touchdown, and then another turnover on downs. I mean, that kind of put the defense in, in a tough spot that entire quarter. Yeah, those are, those are not, you know, situations that you want, right? We're not, we're not planning on turning the ball over. We're not planning on having a kick return, you know, flip the field and have them have the ball um, attacking. So, those are things that you, you know, as a football player, you just got to rally back and, and bounce back from. So I feel like, you know, a lot of times in the red zone, we held them to three points and you know, I'm proud of the way that our, uh, our defense fought, but obviously those are not situations you want and, you know, and we'll, we'll clean it up. I'm, 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 I'm fully co- confident in the boys and uh, I'm proud of the way we fought back. Mitch and then Matt. 
Yeah, Ben, uh, what was maybe the uh, the message from some of the captains in, in the post-game locker room to, to all the players, uh, the morale of the team? Yeah, there was, there was a great positive uh, vibe in the locker room. I mean, it was obviously no one wants to win. It stings. It stings going 5-0 and and then having this loss to Boise State. But Coach Kalani, something that he kind of tells us all is it's the tough guys don't go out there all pouty and, and mad and, and sluggish and, you know, not hugging their family, right? Tough guys are the ones that go out, you know, embrace their families. You know, people traveled, people traveled far um, to come visit their uh, team players and, and, and the kids that are out here. So it was just, you know, Kalani was saying, go embrace them. That's what tough people do, right? Get over it and, and move on to next week. Ben, was there any element of, of maybe overlooking this Boise State team who got off to that two and three start? No, there was no overlooking Boise. They're they're a great team, and, and they played hard, and they had two you know uh, tough losses. So there was no overlooking them. It was just you know weather and situations that put us in in tough spots, and they were able to capitalize, and we weren't. Jared, go ahead. Ben, the defense has had some of these, given up some of these long drives, but you've always been able to overcome it because you've been able to play from ahead, and that, that makes a big difference. How hard is it as a defensive player when you're playing from behind and you know feeling like, hey, we got to make some big plays, and that urgency just ramps up? How hard is that? Yeah, it's there's you feel you feel the pressure that hey, we need to go get a stop, right? Especially in the fourth quarter. That was kind of our our whole goal is to get a stop. And unfortunately, with a penalty, you know, going off sides, we could have had a turnover right there. And then, you know, number two, Shakur, he, he's a great player. So it's – those are situations. And we ha- – you know, obviously this year we haven't played from behind. And so this was the first game. And so that was definitely different. But what Coach Kloon kind of um, emphasized with us was just don't don't change – the scheme, right? Don't change what we're trying to do. Obviously, just be assignment sound. Beat the man across from you. So, you don't need to go out there and be the superstar. What you need to do is do your 111th and beat the man across from you and, and make a play. There's been Bywater. Now, here's head coach Kalani Sataki. I thought we had a, a team and a setup to, to make a comeback, but a lot of credit to Boise State and for Andy Avalos and, and that staff. They had their guys ready. You know, they weren't they weren't playing with, with a with a, with a, with a, they had some starters that were missing in the game and, and uh you know they just stuck with their game plan and, and uh we made way too many mistakes. But I say we made mistakes but they made the plays. You know, we had uh I think I think we're just used to overcoming things and um you know, I, I felt like we should try to dominate the line of scrimmage. I don't know if we did that well enough, you know, and, and give credit to Boise and the things that they did, adjustments they did, they did their game plan. And um, you know, I, I thought our guys fought back and gave us a chance in the second half and, uh, you know, got, dug ourselves in kind of a hole there, but I thought it was something that we could overcome. And, um, you know, even towards the end, they made that great throw to, to Shakir and made a great catch. And uh, props to them for, for taking, you know, being aggressive and taking a shot downfield and, and basically trying to get the win, trying to make it a two-score game. And um, I thought, I thought they, they did a great job. They, they deserved to win the game. And we didn't do enough to, 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 to make that come down to the end and, and give our, put ourselves in a position to, to get a W. But uh, got to bounce back and have a game next week and ask the guys to overcome this and we're learn as much as we can. And we stick together, love each other, and, and support each other. And, and uh, you know, and see what we can do for the next week and then try to learn as much as we can from this game and this, this uh, you know, this loss. 
Talk about the line play, because it seemed like they were able to run the ball more successfully than they have a lot this year, and, and you guys weren't able to maybe run the ball as as well as 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 you have. Yeah, I thought they they uh, you know they they met the challenge for us. Uh, they wanted the line of scrimmage, and, and I thought they did a pretty good job at it. You know, and um, uh, I have to watch the film again, but I thought uh, defensively we gave up too many run yards and. I don't know. They have forty-five for, for one forty. I mean, that's that's not great. But they 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 were able to get themselves a position of third downs to get shorter third downs, and, and I thought they possessed the, the ball. And you know, we we made too many mistakes overall as a team. And so it's, it's not just uh, defense or offense or special teams. It, it goes all around. So um, you know, they they had a a long return on a kickoff, and so. Um, you know, we, we just need to improve and get better, and that's that's that that falls on me. I'm the head coach. I, I have to get our guys ready. Norma and then Jay. Coach, I know you guys don't like to really look too far into the future, but what does this loss mean for the rest of the 2021 season? Yeah, which is part of the football. You know, we we've uh, won games and lost games, and then um, focused on trying to learn as much as we can from this game and. And, um, you know, but we're going to do it with a positive attitude. And, and I believe in, in, in these coaches. I believe in the young men. And uh, we're all going to, uh, you know, rally and, and, and uh, group together and, and try to get better. That's, that's, that's the goal. I, I really believe we can play better football as a team. And, and uh, that's, that's what we're going to try to accomplish in the next week. And uh, we have a tough game going out, going out to Texas. And so we've got to be ready for Baylor. And, uh, but, but we will be ready for them if we can learn and, and – do, you know, take advantage of, of, of some of the things that we can learn from in this game and some of the failures that we had. Where do you think it started to go wrong for you guys tonight? Like, was there a certain play, a certain moment or something that you're like, this is where we lost momentum. This is where we just fell apart. I don't think we fell apart. We battled and had a, had a, had a chance to win a game, you know, that, that that's uh we had to overcome mistakes. We had some um, turnover issues, and that's what you want to go to first. Uh, it's hard to, to win games when you turn the ball over, and I look at the fourth down stops as turnovers as well. So uh, we had a couple of those, and you know th those, those opportunities that we had in the red zone, um, you have to take advantage of that if you're looking on it from the offensive point of view. From defense, uh, we felt like they were on the field too long for my my perspective, I felt like they're on the field too long. And, and uh, you know, we were trying to own the run a little bit more. I mean, it could have been a lot better than what we did. And um, I think if you're looking at points in the second half, I like the way the defense came back. And uh, I believe they scored six points in the second half. And so that should give us a chance to win. Um, it's difficult. You have to give them credit, though, for what they did against our, our offense. Our offense had tons of yards. But you got to have points. That's going to be the key. And Defensively, they, they for us they have some big plays, and um, you know we, we had some penalties that were costly, and just got to play better. And that's we're going we're going to improve and get better, and, and make sure that we're ready for next week. Jay and then Mitch. Connie, you mentioned the fourth down stops, the one where you opted not to go the field goal, the the one right before halftime that basically gave them field position that they turned into a field goal. Do you wish you could take those back, or are you just one of those things where hindsight is twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we felt good about what the defense was doing, and um, 
you know, in the second half and felt like we needed two touchdowns, you know, and, and uh, we were so close and, and felt like we, we've had some success with fourth downs and being aggressive and trying to get the score. Uh, yeah, if you're looking at hindsight, I mean, that's – I wish we could do that in life and just go back and re, get redos, you know. But uh, in, in, in the moment when we're looking at – uh, analytics and our feelings and our gut feeling and, and our preparation, our matchups, we felt, we felt those were the right decisions to make. And that's, that's my, that's on me as, as a head coach. I make those decisions and we got to live with it. You know, when it's fourth and 10 or whatever it was, we went for it and uh, you know, it would have been good, but I mean, that's the, the turnovers cost us and the mistakes cost us. I mean, that's, we weren't error free and in, in, in really any, any part. It's like, that's, you know, we had some uncharacteristic uh, penalties from some veteran players and stuff. So that that's – we just have to be ready to play. And, and um, when guys are missing um, games and they come back from, from injury, we got to make sure they're ready to go. But uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Boise. They, they're ready to play. And, and I can't sit there and say that the mistakes were all our fault. We, we just – you know, that's uncharacteristic of what we do as a team. So – and that's in all three phases. Kalani, uh, the, the offense had some struggles on, on first down, it seemed like, uh, today. What was Boise State doing that, that caused you guys to maybe have some difficulties on those almost first down play calls? Mm, I mean, it's hard to answer all, sum it all up in one answer other than, you know, we probably didn't execute well enough. You know, we, we felt like we had uh, a good sense of, of the run game and even the play-action pass game. I, we should win more in first down, so I, I don't know exactly – what answer you're looking for. I, I think I know what you're saying, but that's just, that's one of many things that we need to correct. And that's I'm not used to, to not making more yards and gaining more yards on first down. And we've got to find a way to do it. How did you feel about uh, Jaron's play? Uh, he, he pretty much st- stayed upright the, the entire game. The offense line gave him time, didn't take many hits until late. Uh, how did you feel about his overall play today? I have to watch the film a little bit more and see, you know, the decision making and where he went with the ball. I mean, I'm looking at his um, passing, and you know, it's hard to hard to judge it all on that. I think uh, he was upright, but we have to see if, if you know what we could have done differently as coaches to put him in better position to make plays. Jared, go ahead. Kalani, you hadn't been behind in any game this year. You weren't behind very often last year. What does it take for for guys to be able to, you know, kind of not get carried away? I thought there were a couple of moments where maybe guys were trying to to press a little bit because you were trailing and, and maybe trying to deal with that. What has to happen to for the for the guys to be be able to handle that pressure and and you know that adrenaline? Yeah, I mean that's that's a hard hard thing to, to overcome, but the, you know, the guys, I thought they answered back. I mean, we made some mistakes, but we're, we're in pretty good position. It's to me, it's like the guys are, are, are reaching and not doing their part. That's, uh, you know, you can only do your one eleven. We always focus on trying to do that. And, and I mean, I'd have to watch the film a little bit more, but we, we, we had our moments, we had our chances and our opportunities, uh, credit the boys to stay for making more plays than us. I mean, that's what it came down to, you know, they, they, they made the plays we didn't and they executed a lot better than we did. And um, whether the guys were reaching or trying too much, that's, I think that's, that's, that's human. 
you know, but uh, trying to be more disciplined to do your job is, is, is what we've been focused on. We've been, we've been preaching that. That's part of what we do as a team is to trust each other. And probably have to watch a little bit more of the film to see if, if we're reaching in blocks or reaching and trying to, you know, trying to make the play instead of doing your assignment on defense and offensively, we're doing the right thing with our blocks. We're running the right routes. That's, that's something that probably have to evaluate, but yeah, that, that, when that, all that stuff adds up, then you're probably not executing well enough. And that, and that it's when one or two guys break down and not doing their one eleventh. You guys have also been very good at ball security. It only had the two turnovers. And today, obviously, you know, that kind of went south, had some bounces that didn't go your way with some of the fumbles. Um, anything you attribute that to? Was it just, you know, one of those games? Yeah, the, the nobody feels worse than those running backs right now. So we emphasize it and we explain to these guys how important ball security is. It's something that we've always we're always preaching and it's something that I can never get enough of as a coach. I'll never tell a player that your ball security is too good. So it's something that we can always improve and always get better. I like their effort and I like them trying to, to make plays, but uh, not at the risk of, of losing the ball and, and mistakes happen. Uh, it just seems like we made way too many today to, you know, to battle back from. And so uh, even with all of those mistakes that were made, whether it's not converting on fourth down or, or the fumbles or the interception. I, I felt like the guys still battled and played hard and they, they give us their, their effort every time and just need to be a little bit more focused and a little bit execute a little bit more efficiently. There's Kalani Sataki and his Cougars on their loss to Boise State. A couple of five and one teams now. BYU at Baylor next week. Big game. For the Utes, they won a big game at USC and you will hear from Kyle Whittingham and the U players next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's a trip to the Lone Star State for the Cougars as BYU heads to wake up for a massive showdown against Baylor as the Cougars look to knock off a future Big 12 opponent. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to hear from the Utes after they win at the Coliseum for the first time ever. 0-5 in Pac-12 play, 0-8 all-time. Last time they won, it was 1916. The Coliseum was uh, five years away from starting construction. They played in Exhibition Park. I don't know what the deal was. That was 105 years ago, as Kyle Whittingham is about to reference. Uh, But first, let's hear from the players. Most interesting, uh, Cam Rising, on the fact that that flea flea flicker right before the half, which was a game-changing touchdown, uh, that was just him messing up. So Cam and Kyle will talk about that. Let's start with the players. Guys, what does that win mean to you, not only for the Coliseum, but just after all of what happened with Eric? You know, it's super special. Um, I feel like the guys play with a lot of passion, you know, with the recent events that, t- that took place. And um, it was just good to get a victory, man. It, it was special to us, and I'm just glad that we came out of here, you know, victorious. Cam, you go through uh, the police letter and just what you're seeing on that play on fourth and one. It was actually the wrong wristband. Uh, I just heard, I heard one call, and I called that because 
I was like, wow, this, this is a great play to call. I didn't know that they were calling it. And then they called the timeout, and they wanted to stick with it right after they called it. So just that's, what, that's how we got to that. What was the call supposed to be? It was supposed to be a run, and I, I, won, I won with that. <laughs>
just, you know, like Mika said, play it day by day. Um, use this to make us stronger as a team. I feel like that's what uh, got us this win, you know, today. We all, you know, we said in the beginning of the week when the things happen, it's either going to, you know, divide us or it's going to bring us closer together as a family. And we're choosing it. We're, we're, we're choosing to let this bring us closer. So that's, you know, the same, I feel like, uh, perspective that we're going to kind of take, you know, when we travel down to Texas and then we get back into the play of things. What do you think has been the difference in the way the say is like basically like uh, since like bye week we all just been like I said we all just been coming together we all you know so we all transfer so we all just getting, we all learning how to play with each other and uh they just doing their thing moving and we all know our assignment we all doing our job and I feel like that played a, a big role for us tonight. All right they're the U players now here's Kyle Whittingham on his team's ability to bounce back emotionally after yet another tragedy and death on the team and uh and Aaron Lowe's mom playing a role in that, apparently, as you will hear from Kyle. And also, he talks about the flea flicker that wasn't. But, hey, once they realized the mistake had been made, it, it actually sounded like a good idea. Here's Kyle. Uh, extremely proud of our football team. Um, players played with a great competitive spirit tonight. Uh, passion, energy, uh, you name it, we had it. Great job by our assistant coaches uh, with the game planning and getting things set. But again, the players are the ones that execute it and deserve all the credit. Um, it's been a long time since we won here. Long time. I mean, it's over 100 years. And so it's, uh, it's a great feeling to come out of here with a win. Um, puts us uh, in good position in the conference still. You know, we're just barely getting started, but we're still in, in good shape right now. Uh, I thought we were very balanced tonight. That was probably one of the biggest keys to the win, is being able to run the football and throw it effectively. We had uh, over 300 yards passing and uh, about 180 rushing, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. And so it was a very balanced attack. Defense gave up a few, too many yards in the throw game. They had over 400 yards. They got some terrific receivers, uh, terrific terrific quarterback. So they're going to get their yards, but uh, too much. uh, got to play better, better pass defense than that. Special teams was solid. Uh, no field goal attempts. Uh, we had Jordan Noyes uh, kicking tonight. He won the job over the break. And so he'll be our kicker going forward uh, for now. Um, Cam had an outstanding night. I think he was close to 80% completion percentage. And uh, 11 yard, nearly 11 yards per attempt, which is an outstanding number. And so quarterback play was great. Offensive line played much better. They played what we... Uh, expect them to play. That, they're a good group and they played uh, up to their potential tonight. It was great to see that happen. Uh, probably could have got a little more pressure on the quarterback. You know, when you drop back and throw it as many times as they did, we got to be a little more disruptive in our pass rush. We get stuck at the line of scrimmage too often. But, but overall, uh, a very nice win. And again, credit to our players for their preparation, overcoming adversity. Um, you know, we've had a lot on our plate, obviously, the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we still have a funeral that we uh, will be attending on Monday over in Texas and uh, trying to get some closure on on, uh, on our loss. But 
proud of the guys. That's the bottom line. So proud of them and uh, how they hung in there and just uh, played with such passion and, and such inspired football. So questions? Kyle, when did you know your guys were emotionally ready? Was it today, well, during the last couple of weeks or I had, a, I had a feeling, you know, through the week of practice this week. Last week we had a bye. We had some practices. It was very low-key, and, and you could tell that uh, we were uh, very struggling. But when they got back on the field this week, and after hearing, uh, you know, Aaron Lowe's mom came and talked to the team last week and, and uh, said, hey, you guys got to carry on. You got you work to do. You got a season to play. And so this week's practices were very good. I uh, had an inclination going into the game that uh, they'd play well. And they exceeded even what I was expecting. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, Terrell. See you. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck. Cam said that he accidentally called the flea flicker. Yeah, we uh, we uh, we're gonna get the first and then clock it and maybe try to get a field goal on the next play. There was like 15 seconds left, so he lined up and uh, we noticed he was in the wrong formation for what we called. And uh, then they called the timeout and uh, said, well, you know, what's going on? What, what was the uh, uh, miscommunication? What was there? He said, well, he called the flea flicker. I said, great call. Let's, let's go with it. I talked to Andy about it and said, how do you feel? And, he, and Andy said, let's go with it. Go with it. So uh, and that was a huge momentum play. Getting that momentum coming in at halftime was gigantic. And uh, wish we could take credit for that play, but it's Cam Rising uh, misreading the wristband and then us finding out about it and then sticking with it because uh, it was uh, seemed like the right thing to do. What's it mean to have him in there? I mean, he seems like he leads that room. He's been the command of that offense. He is an alpha dog. He's, he's a leader in every sense of the word. He does command the room. He's, he's, the, he's the leader of the offense. Uh, between him and Britt Covey, those are the two captains elected uh, on offense by, by their peers. And he is exactly what you want in a quarterback when you talk about the it factor and uh, the field general that you that you want leading your troops. Coach, I asked how how fun and rewarding it is to see the passing game kind of get get some juice and get some productivity. And Beacon chimed in that yeah, it was a lot of fun for for just the team in general. How how I guess rewarding is it to see those big pass plays and, and get the production of the passing game. Drives together, 12, 13, 14 play drives, five yards at a time. You need some chunk plays, and typically your chunk plays come on, uh, through the air. And so that uh, was great to see tonight. And our tight ends are so talented. They're, they're, you know, we got three tight ends that uh, really create mismatches for the offense. And then Devon Bailey, I thought Devon played really well tonight. Uh, Theo Howard had a nice catch on the deep ball. Covey contributed. Uh, so there was a lot of good money parts, touchdown reception. So it was very rewarding and very needed. We need to do that going forward. You know, we've got to be able to throw the ball with uh, a certain amount of proficiency. And, and uh, tonight was exactly what we need to have happen. Kyle, you, you guys uh, elected to go with Tavion Thomas in that second half. What, what kind of led to that choice? Well, Tavion's a talent. We all know that. He's uh, had a little bit of a struggle with ball security earlier in the season. He's worked hard on it. Worked, uh, week and this past practice week uh, extensively uh, put him in there. His ball security was great. It seemed to be loose with the football, so we kept feeding it to him and uh, ended up with over 100 yards. We want to hopefully, hopefully he's got some traction now and we can, uh, you know, he can pick up where he left off uh, next week. Kyle, uh, how do you guys balance the ocean of traveling to Texas on Monday and then having to come back and prepare for Yeah, another challenge, you know, going to the funeral, but uh, we're
we're not going to miss that. I mean, there's no, you know, we're, we're uh, it's something that uh, we will do, and we'll, we'll handle it. We, we have to. So we'll handle it. You're, you're coming off a game where you had a ton of mistakes, and then you have a bye week, and you have a tragedy. How, how are you able to improve that now relatively, you know, Ton, ton of credit to the players, the upper class, and the leadership uh, of the football team did a great job um, leading and, and making sure that uh, you know, they, they set the bar and, and the expectations and, and uh, had a lot of communication on the team. And uh, you know, the players have, all, have had a lot of input in how we've handled the past couple of weeks. And uh, credit to them, I think they've handled as good as they possibly could have handled. secondary we gave up a few too many yards uh, you know, a, lot, a lot too many yards but but we seemed to keep things in front of us you know it wasn't uh, you know a ton of big plays it was just you know chunk plays up the field but nothing that was over the top of us uh, maybe one or two times but but uh, you know Clark's a, just a, still a, a true freshman and that Drake London kid I think is maybe the best receiver in the country so it was a big challenge and uh, Clark drew that coverage most of the night with no help you know we Special, other than say, you know, Clark match up with him, and, and uh, Drake still had a heck of a game. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, we did enough other good things to uh, counteract. So to kind of piggyback on that, London didn't have a really big second half. He, he had he had a lot of yards in that first half. Uh, catches. What were some of the adjustments you guys made to win in that second half? Well, nothing schematically that was earth-shattering. I mean, we just uh, told the safeties to shoot a little bit more and lean a little bit more in certain situations. But you're right. I think it was 11 for about 110 in the first half, and then uh, six or seven catches for 60 yards in the second half. So we did do a better job in the second half. I think our offense uh, did a better job. I haven't looked at the time of possession, but I think we possessed the ball a little more in the second half of our offense, which gave him less opportunities. Kyle Whittingham. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it's time for our weekly visit with BYU receiver Samson Nakua. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing all right. So we always hear the players bounce back from this faster than the adults, you know, the coaches or the ADs, administration, whoever. Feel like you bounced back from Saturday? Is it still dragging you down? Did something happen later today that gets you to bounce back? Nah, I, I feel like as soon as that game was over, you know, I let out my emotions, and uh, as soon as I left that locker room, I was ready to move on to Texas, and I'm ready for Baylor. From my perspective, watching that game, you boil it down to the turnovers. I don't know if you would have won without them, 
but I think that that was the reason, the primary reason anyway, as to why you didn't win. How did you see it? Oh, uh, I think it's a hundred percent the turnovers that we had, and uh, even some of the false starts that cost us. Um, maybe jumping off sides cost us a bit too. It was the coaches talked to us about it before the game that would cost us uh, if we couldn't take care of the ball and uh, if we weren't able to do the little details that Boise State was a fundamentally sound team and that they would uh, take advantage of those things that if we couldn't uh, just stick to the little details and they did and uh, it cost us. So do they come from the same place? Is there a lack of, I don't know, focus? I don't know what the word is, but is it something like that and that's what leads to the penalties and the turnovers? Are they tied together? Um, I don't know if it was a lack of focus. Um, I felt like uh, throughout that past week, that was one of our best weeks of practices uh, of the year, honestly. Uh, um, everyone was locked in throughout the week, um, picking up on those little details. And then, uh, I don't know, it just came game time, and uh, I think we just um, got a little too loose and too little lackadaisical and uh, didn't bring enough energy to the field. And, uh, it just showed when we came out there and uh, that we just weren't ready, that we weren't locked in fully. Did you find at 5-0, and zero, ranked 10th in the country, that this was a huge game for Boise State? You could see it in their celebrations afterward. They're extremely happy to knock off a top-10 team. Is that something maybe you weren't aware of, that not that necessarily Boise can make its season by beating you, but clearly it meant a lot? Yeah, we knew what they wanted to do and come in and do, and uh, shoot, we wanted to definitely prevent that, but um, it just seemed that they came out with more energy and came out with a little more uh, focus than we did, and uh, it seems like we really just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, they only beat us up by nine, it was, and uh, we had almost around six turnovers, um, so if we were able to keep it uh, under control and uh you know, pick it up on our end, I think we could have definitely gave them a run for their money, but it just came out the smarter and more uh, disciplined team. You know, actually, those first seven or eight minutes, you, you came out okay. You start with a field goal, they fumble, you get you individually get that touchdown catch, which was a pretty play, and it's 10 nothing. Anything happen after that to lose the edge? Because as starts go, that was awfully good. Yeah, the, the first two drives for us, we were marching down the field on them, um, doing as we please, throwing it down the field, running the ball. Um, it's hard to say. we got to watch more film. Um, I was able to watch some film, but um, I think i got to watch a little more to see what was a big turning point for us and uh, what caused us to lose our focus and our edge throughout that game. When did you know Jaron Hall was going to start? <laughs> right before the game, too. Right like everyone else, I had no clue until right before the game. So, how did he look in practice on, like, say, Wednesday and Thursday? Were you looking at it thinking, oh, he doesn't throw the ball well enough, no way this is happening? Um, the crazy thing is, honestly, I always tell everyone, you know, I love all three quarterbacks. You know, most of the time through practices, I'm so focused on the little details at receiver and uh, trying to focus on my assignment that uh, I'm not really 100% paying attention to who's throwing the rock to me. So, um I think I got to see Jaron a little bit Thursday, and he was looking good. Um, he was throwing dimes, throwing in the deep ball, throwing him perfect. Um, and, um, I mean, he came out and did his job. You know, we didn't get the W, but he did really good, I thought. You know, there was some little details 
he might have missed, but that was with everybody that we uh, that we missed on. This this is your first season at BYU. Personally, is it weird for you not to have a conference to play in? Um, it's a little weird. It, it is a little weird, but it's fun. Honestly, yeah, getting to make your own schedule. Um, going to choose the teams that we really want, the competition that we want, and showing that and with that. You know, we make our schedule and uh, that we can hang with anyone. We believe we can hang in it with anyone, and that's why we make our schedule the way we do. So it's going to be weird going against a team that, I mean, literally you guys know everything about each other's offenses. I mean, Grimes goes to Baylor. I, I don't know what he and A-Rod could possibly not know about each other at this point. They've been in, they've been in the same room talking football too many times. Same games, same practices, same film sessions. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a, a great offensive shootout. And then, uh, you know, it's just going to, who, who's going to have the least amount of mistakes and then uh, who's going to be able to take, uh, um, stop the other offense. It's going to be fun. You don't really have a choice in this matter, so it's sort of a silly question in that regard because I could say, well, after a tough loss, would you rather play a team that is not uh, of a renown in a power conference like Baylor? Uh, not that you can choose it, but does it help maybe get the motivation back and the attention and focus going on the road and playing a pretty good team from Big 12? Um, I think so. I um shoot, we don't want to shy away from anything, even if we take a loss. Uh, we want we want the best competition. We want to go against the best of the best. Um, we don't want anyone looking down on us, saying that we're playing, you know, some D2 school or anything. We want every game we want to be a top power uh, power five school. So uh, it's going to be uh, fun coming in today to practice and uh, uh, getting ready for Baylor. Is there any difference in the way, and you're the best person really to answer this because you've been on the inside of both programs, is there any difference in the way that uh, Kyle and Kalani coach turnovers, or do you get the exact same mantra from them when you do turn it over, when you don't turn it over, they're just relentlessly similar? Um, they're pretty more similar. I think um, Kalani, Coach Kalani is definitely a bit more relaxed than Coach Witt. is um, not relaxed, but he's you know, more... Uh, I don't know, more forgiving. Uh, um, uh, definitely our program is all about based on loving and learning. Um, he definitely gives us a, you know, a, a quick talk about our turnover and stuff, but definitely he tries, us, uh, tries to let us forget about it and move on and uh, try to pick up um, on our own mistakes and uh, correct it ourselves. It's a day game, so you had some time afterward. After a loss, after a win, does it make any difference what you do? As far as hanging out Saturday night, um, not really. Especially for this season, um, I definitely made the choice of coming back home to be with family. So um, I, definitely, after every game so far, I've been back home with mom and grandma and just spending time with them. Um, even after this loss, you know, the biggest thing was to go home and see mom and make sure she's okay and make sure she enjoyed the game and uh, had a little fun and. You know, just spending time with family, so that's what I've been doing after these games, and uh, it hasn't changed for me yet. Do you watch football when you get home? Hey, did you watch, you know, which game, if you do watch football? Oh, yeah, a little bit. My mom uh, watched our game, and then when I got home, uh, I bought her some uh, canes, and then she threw on the Utah-USC game, so I got to cheer on my old team for a bit and watch them ball out and uh, kick USC's butt, so that was fun. Yeah, Cam Rising looked really good. You've been in the program for a couple of years when he was there. Did you see this coming? 
Oh yeah, I, I was just waiting for them to give his opportunity. Uh, he definitely had it the year before I left, uh, but he got a major injury, and uh, to see him come back right now and start leading this team is uh, it's honestly really cool to see how far he's come along and see how far um, the Utah Utes has come along this year. Honestly. You're halfway through the season. What do you want different in the uh, second half of the season than you had in the uh, first? Six down, six to go, that kind of thing. Man, I love our running backs to death. They're unbelievable. The best running back duo in the the country, I believe. But uh, I think we still got the best receiving core out in the country. And we still haven't got to use us to, you know, to full advantage. And uh, I'd love to see more air raid, but... Whatever Coach A-Rod calls, you know, we're down for. We're down to rock with him, whatever he calls. Well, Samson, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we're all looking forward to that Baylor game Saturday. Yes, sir. You guys have a good morning. All right. There is Samson Nakua, BYU, and Baylor coming up to kick off the second half of the season Saturday at 1.30. Back-to-back day games, PK. Man, it turns out when you win and get ranked, stuff starts happening, huh? Well, yeah, because otherwise you knew that there was a chance they could play at 10 o'clock on a Pac-12 network if they weren't very good. (laughs) The one place they wouldn't be popping up. That's not true. they got two more Pac-12 games to go. Yeah, Washington State a week from Saturday. Yeah, so ha, ha, ha. And that one does screen like 8 o'clock on the (laughs) Pac-12 network. Hold off on the Cougars, the other Cougars, because I said... Getting the quarterback back, right? Much better quarterback than the other guys have shown. Sure enough, they get a win. They put Oregon State in their place. So, and I've said this many times over. It's not. Sometimes it's a question of when you play teams. Be Utah got a break because he didn't play. So there you go. Uh, BYU. It's a case of what could have been, but at the same time, you know they're five and one to halfway point. I'm writing about this this week, literally as we speak, that. You know they're five and one, which is pretty good. Got it obviously on pace to win a ten game, win ten games this season. But right now it doesn't sit so well. I think if you take a step back, the chances of any team the caliber of BYU, and I don't mean that in a mocking way. It's just that you look at Alabama; they're not even going to go undefeated this season. Obviously, I think it's very difficult to go undefeated. So. As far as what they have to play for, I think it's still a lot. Yeah, I get it. The Independence Bowl is there, blah, blah, blah. It's not glamour. Uh, that was the downside of going independent. But they still have an opportunity to put together two consecutive double-digit win seasons. And uh, to me, that means something, particularly since you no longer have to worry in uh, over a uh, less than two years about some who gives a crap bowl the truth is most of the teams in every conference are going to go to who gives a crap bowl the way they're set up because there's only a few a handful of bowls that really matter now anyway so if you can get past that there's still a lot for them to accomplish Baylor's had a pretty good season going into a big 12 Opponent stadium, it's just like winning on the road in the Pac-12. Whoever you get it against, it means something. So I think they have a lot still to play for. They are halfway to 10-2. and There's no denying the math, but watching the games this past weekend, it looks tougher. Now BYU has the loss. Washington State has their starting quarterback back, and they look night and day different with him throwing for 399 yards. And Baylor gets another nice win, so they are 5-1 and one themselves. So this, 
you know, you, you always know it's tough to go on the road in college football, and going back-to-back was always going to be difficult, but obviously the most important thing is how healthy are those teams and how well are they playing, and right now it looks like Baylor and Wazoo are playing yeah. really well. Which is why I don't think it's any tougher than I already thought. I already thought it was going to be difficult. I already thought they weren't going to go undefeated. So really nothing has changed for me. The only surprise, and maybe it's just the football gods catching up to them, was all the turnovers because I was so excited last week that they hadn't had any fumbles. They had only had two picks. And, you know, they were sixth in the country in turnover. We went through that extensively. And sure enough, it's like we jinxed them practically because they had all sorts of turnovers that I just didn't see coming, particularly the fumbles. You know, maybe an interception or two. A kid makes a great play. You try to squeeze a ball in there, and a DB makes just a linebacker, whomever it might be, or a ball gets tipped, and you got the tip drill. We see that. I mean, that happened a pick six last night against Mahomes, right? The ball goes through uh, Hill's hands. The defender standing about three, four yards back, catches the ball, boom, it's a touchdown. Those are things that happen from time to time, and there's really not a whole lot you can do. The fumbling, the repeated fumbling, was just really out of left field, and I didn't see it. Plus, it's not like they were fumbles after you had had long drives. One of them was Lopini, uh, after they went for it on the fourth down, was uh, pretty much deep in Boise territory. But the others, you're giving Boise short fields. And it was just too much to overcome. There's no question about it, especially because they must have told Hall or he decided, hey, I'm not going to run with the ball very much to try to keep myself as healthy as possible because that's a critical aspect of his game. And he didn't utilize it very well or very much on Saturday. And I think it was at least from the coaching standpoint or the individual kid's standpoint, a conscious decision not to do that. I'm not sure that they could afford to do that and still be as effective considering the turnovers. You could say they would have won, but I hate playing those games like that because you never know. You can't just assume that things would happen this way or that way without them. But obviously they were a significant contributor to the loss, and it was a bummer from their perspective. You don't know how it would have gone because obviously confidence changes, momentum changes, play calling changes. There's a long list. But Boise State scored two touchdowns, and they scored them off back-to-back fumbles, and they started both drives deep in BYU territory. And they didn't get any other TDs. They've had problems in the third quarter all year. They've had problems in the second half scoring all year. The Oklahoma State game where neither team scored is probably the – you know, the most obvious example, but they haven't, they've, in their three losses, they scored three points in the third quarter. They got three points in this. Now, they had the lead, so you can say they were, you know, playing a little different, but they got two touchdowns in the game, and they went 23 and 24 yards for those two scores. It just feels like even if BYU had gone three and out and punted the ball away, it would have been a really different game. And maybe not. Maybe the Broncos would have found a fourth quarter touchdown or third quarter TD, but it's not the way they played, and it's not the way this game has gone. Those turnovers were huge. I do think the third fumble was a big deal because BYU was in the red zone. They were driving. It felt like they were going to get in. Maybe they wouldn't have, but it sure looked like it was trending right. I mean, they were moving. They were moving well coming out of the locker room. You thought, okay, they've turned this around at halftime. You get it to 23-17, middle of the third quarter, you're, you know, you're in good shape. Yeah, I think all, every single one of the turnovers was uh, crucial in deciding the game. At the same time, one of those dot-comers for uh, covers ASU put out 
that uh, basically, ha-ha, because all Sun Devil fans, or not all of them, but a lot of them were running around saying, well, yeah, our turnovers, our mistakes, we beat ourselves. You didn't beat us, we beat ourselves. And he said some, I don't get caught up on what's going on on the Internet and that stuff, so I don't know that, but he, he tweeted out, ha-ha, this is what we said and you had a fit. Now you're saying the same thing. So things happen. I think the course of the season, those things even out, but you can make a case the Devils beat themselves and then clearly the BYU Cougars beat themselves in uh, that game against Boise was much like them, all the mistakes that the Sun Devils made. So it happened. You're 5-1. and one. you got to correct it. I don't think you're going to go undefeated either way. So in a sense, I'm past it. It's just like it's like my golf game. I know at some point a triple bogey is coming, but at least not until the back nine so I can keep the dream alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get it in hole one or two. Oops, it's going to be nothing special. There's going to be another average round for me. And so here you wanted to keep the dream alive maybe another week or two or three to see how far it could go. I don't know what was going to happen uh, if they would have won, nor do I know what's going to happen now that they don't in the sec- now that they didn't in the, the second half of the season. I believe there was going to be tough games. I believe they have three or four real tough games. And that, 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 nothing has changed there, absolutely nothing. And injuries are a part of it, so you don't know who's going to be available when you get there, all that stuff. Everybody's got them, man. You're not the only one who has them, for sure. That's just the way it is there in college football and pro football and little league football and high school football. And, you know, what are you going to do there? you got to play through them, though. So got an opportunity this week to get back on the right track. And I, I would find this week's loss, if it should occur, more devastating than last week's. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because now you now you're five and two, and now you're on a two game losing. Oh, streak. from that, I get from that standpoint. Yeah, I'm just thinking more of the quality of the opponent. Boise comes in two and three, whereas you're going to a five and one Baylor team. Okay. Well, so, do. so all you did was beat a bunch of average Pac-12 South teams. Uh, so you can hear the mantra: BYU is one of these programs that has to prove it every week and then prove it three times during the week because they don't seem to get any benefit of the doubt. So you can you can see, well, yeah, well, sure, yeah, the competition got a little tough and they folded, big deal. They beat some teams from the Pac-12 South. That com- that division, that conference is weak. The division is even weaker than the conference. So you know what's going to be said. They're BYU. They don't ever seem to get the benefit of the doubt here. So, yeah, and then they're going to drop, obviously, from the top – 25 if they should lose and all that stuff. So, yeah, I view this game now, even with with or without the loss, I view this game as really, really a big deal because then you can't keep saying, oh, well, the Pac-12 South is weak, the Big 12 is weak. I mean, what the crap? You're supposed to play the uh, whomever, the Green Bay Packers, before you get any credit? You know, where do you go with this? So, Well, number one, I would give them credit for the Packers. And number two, <laughs> I get the whole deal with Arizona. Arizona's 0-5. they got a win streak that stretches, you know, <laughs> across streak. season. Yes, yeah, so, or excuse me, losing streak that stretches back forever. But ASU and Utah are a combined 8-3, and three, and BYU's given them two of the losses. Oh, yeah, well, they're not going to get the, any credit for Utah nationally because, well, they changed quarterbacks. You know, I know he had that, that spring game. That other kid was awesome, but he sucked otherwise. And so they should have gone with Rising. I said it all along. 
and clearly he's got it. I said he's got swag. He's got uh, he allows players to play harder because they want to rally around him. I said I called it way before he got in the game. So they're not going to get credit for that, particularly if Utah goes on. Either way, if Utah goes on a big winning streak, well, it's because the quarterback. They, but no, no one's going to say for Utah, well, they beat Washington State because Washington State didn't have their quarterback. It's going to be slanted toward the Cougars. Yeah, but that's the reality. Until they get in the Big 12 and win big consistently, there's always a yeah, but for the Cougars. And for the Utes, oh, yeah, man, they're flying high. Nobody's going to say, yeah, but they didn't play Washington State without their quarterback. It's not the way it works when you're in a Power 5 and you had some success. And BYU hasn't been in that situation. DJ PK, when we come back, Nick Ford after the big win at USC. We will talk with him. And got a penalty in the middle of that game. That game was a little chippy. And he kind of lifted the curtain back on social uh, media. Not all the way. We'll see if we'll get him to talk about it all the way. We'll do that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a big Pac-12 showdown against Arizona State as the Utes hope to keep their dreams of a Pac-12 title alive. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk Utah football with the youth center, Nick Ford. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by... Saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Nick, good morning. Good morning. I want to give a quick shout-out to my man, Dan, Len- uh, Dan Leonard. He's a, ga- a grass keeper and does an awesome job. Been uh, knacking at me a little bit, so I'm going to get him a good shout-out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Celebrity mentions for Nick at the start of every interview. I'm ready. <laughs> So, I listened to Ute fans argue about this is the best Utah win since, and then then they all had their opinion different games. Uh, You have been putting on the uniform for four seasons now. What's your opinion? Where does this win stack with other wins? How satisfying was this victory versus a lot of the other wins you've been through? Oh, I mean, it's real real satisfying. I mean, this is going to be definitely a win that stands out to me. Um, you know, I can't put my finger on, you know, a specific win just because there's been a lot of emotional wins. I mean, like off the top of my head, I can think of UW a couple of years ago when we had that close game and scored at the end, um, you know, pulled away. Um, but, I mean, it was an awesome game. It was awesome for me. I had a ton of people there, and uh, some of those people who were there, like, supporting me, they're also USC fans, and they wound up leaving a little bit through the game, too, so I get to laugh at them. <laughs> You look at that game, SC had some success early, but then your offense, when it got going, really turned it on to a degree. Were you surprised that it was that easy and that lopsided? Uh, yes and no. I wouldn't say it was necessarily easy. We had to put our head down and keep uh, grinding, and that was the outcome that happened. And uh, yes, I was surprised because, like, you know, 
Well, I don't even think I was surprised, to be honest. I think it was more um, more of a, like, happy surprise, like, knowing that our offense was clicking because this is what we're, like, capable of. So that's where the no comes in, where, you know, that's what this offense is capable of. And, you know, whatever it is that uh, got everyone to play the way that we needed to play, we need to continue to play that way because that's that's what everyone's been talking about. That's what we've been talking about. That's the offense that this team is capable of. So what is it like in the huddle when the play comes in, and even if it's by mistake, which apparently it was, <laughs> Cam Rising calls for a flea flicker. Are you, as a lineman, do you think, sweet, we are going for it. Way to think oh, big. Oh, yeah. No, we, so we go up like the first time, and they call it timeout. And I looked straight at Cam. I was like, yo, it's one high. Like, cause I'm big on, like, understanding the whole concept of defense, like cover two, cover one, all that stuff. And I saw the one high look, which means there's one, there's one high safety. They're putting everyone else in a box. So I'm sitting there like, yo, Cam, that would have – he's like, he just started laughing. That's all Cam does. All he does is laugh. So I looked at him. I just started laughing. I'm like, dang, we would have got him. So we call it the same play, and I'm like, ain't no way they're going to line up the same way. They line up to the same way, and I'm like, uh-oh. And I go down. I just start laughing, and D-Lyman was like, what you laughing at? I was like, oh, we got you. <laughs> He's like, what? And we go, so go, boom, hit the play. It goes over the top. I just started laughing. I was like, oh. <laughs> Obviously, there's a difference in this offense between earlier in the season and now. How much do we attribute it to Cam Rising being in there? Oh, definitely a good bit. You know, he has a good poise and a huddle, which helps. And, uh, you know, good, uh, just good vibes, good determination. Charlie did a hell of a job, and I still, you know, love that man. Um, but, you know, Cam stepped in, and he's performing the way that we knew he could perform. And, um, you know, he's just going ahead and leading the offense the way he should. Um, you know, talking to the running backs, uh, quarterback, uh, running backs, receivers, tight ends, and the line and everything, and it makes it, you know, easier because now I could, you know, we got another quarterback in there, another strong voice, and uh, kind of calms my offensive line down. So that way it's a little bit easier for me to go ahead and, you know, tell them to do what they need to do. And it's like, you know, when you have somebody back there who can calm down the skills and then you have me up front who can calm down the offensive line, it uh, definitely helps out a lot. You guys didn't get any running backs blown up in the backfield at the start of plays. There were holes. Guys were getting downfield. You guys were averaging on those four straight touchdowns you scored, two before the half and then the first two possessions after the half. You averaged 10 to 15 yards per play on every drive, and their guys were not in the backfield run or pass. What changed? Why was everything? Because rock solid. You would have never guessed some of the issues you were having in September watching the game at the Coliseum. Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I know one thing is that they started uh, playing their safeties in the box a lot, and uh, we started counting them in the box. Um, sometimes, you know, we take the risk of that. Um, and I think uh, a big part of it is Cam as well. You know, understanding the concept of the play, understanding it. You know, if we run the ball, um, he has to look at the box and see if you know it's a good look for, you know, the run or see if it's a good look for the pass. He has a run-pass option back there. And um, and basically that's where it gets into, like, this style of offense where we want to bash you with the run, so you try to back up out the box, I mean, stack the box, and then you stack the box, 
Uh, we got a lot of receiver threats. That's not so. It's not a very good idea to do that. And if you start, you know, softening up in the box and trying to cover those receivers, go back downhill. So I mean, we just got into a good rhythm of going back and forth between the run and the pass. How good is it to hear? that Utah, once it's in the Pac-12, has never won in the Coliseum because now you can never say that again. Uh, it's been pretty cool. I mean, the last time was 1916, and I went there, I think this is my second second or third time, and, um, you know, lost the previous ones, and um, especially that being my home and uh, knowing a lot of players on the other team as well. Um, growing up in an SC town, you know, it's just like, like I said, it's good. Like, you're feeling that way. I mean, you emptied out the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Tavon Thomas has had his ups and downs this year. Clearly, that was the best-case scenario. That's what you coaches and all his teammates have been hoping for. What can you tell us about him? He seems he's, you know, he's relatively new, so fans don't know much about him. What can you tell us about him? Because people were definitely impressed with the way he ran the ball. Uh, he's a good guy. Love that dude. You know, he's a brother to me. He grew on the program very early. Um, he came in a little quiet, um, but then he realized, you know, we're all brothers. You know, we all like to have fun and stuff, hang out. And uh, he really started appreciating that and appreciating us and, you know, opened up more. And he's a, he's a clown for sure. Like, he is a clown. He's funny. Um, he's a good guy, good man. Um I'd say, but he, he's, a, he's a really good athlete. He goes out there, you know, he works at practice. You know, whatever it takes to get the job done, he's going to go out and try to do it at his full. Um, and that's that's just the type of guy he is, even if he doesn't know what he's doing or he's going to struggle doing it. You know, for a fact, it's going to be 100% in what he does. And I think that's why he's improving so much, is that he goes out there with that same mindset. From Utah's perspective, is it too early to say the winner of this game against ASU is the front runner to win the South? Uh, that's what it's uh, looking like, and I mean, uh, us and ASU are tied for uh, first in the South right now. And uh, you know, I never try to predict the game or say what about this, what about that. Um, they're a good program, and uh, you know, if we uh, come playing the way that we are capable of playing. Uh, I like I said early in the year. I have no doubt that we could beat everyone, um, but that's you know that's the big uh, thing. We got to come out and continue to play that the way we did, and that's what uh, Coach Witt addressed. That um, you know whatever that was, that why we played that way. That's what we got to find out is that why, and do it again. And um, so you know I'm gonna give uh, all respect to ASU, and you know we'll see the results after that. Have you watched much of them through the first half of the season here as they've built this uh, 5-1 and one record? Or have the games not, the game times not worked, playing the same time, that kind of stuff? I uh, watched them in the bye. Um, besides that, uh, no. Uh, like, I like to focus on, you know, my task at hand, um, watching film. So uh, I've, uh, in the past two days, yes, I've watched a lot. Um, you know, I've watched a couple of the games. Like I said, they're a good program. They beat, you know, some good teams and they play a solid, you know, just a solid game all around, whether it's, um, you know, playing against Stanford or uh, UCLA. Like, they're, uh, they're a good program. And, uh, 
you know, I'm going to continue to watch film and uh, pick up on things that I need to pick up on. And same thing with everyone here, and we'll get it going. As I understand it, the funeral is today. So what's the team's schedule? Uh, just ate breakfast, and then we're going to board a bus, go down uh, to the airport, fly down there, do the services, fly back, uh, dinner, and then uh, practice tomorrow. And we switched our uh, our Monday. That's what, uh, what we usually do on Mondays, uh, lift, run, and practice. We actually did yesterday. Switch your Sundays and Mondays, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Kyle said after the game, uh, he was asked, "Was the uh, <clears throat> was the team emotionally, you know, ready to play? When did he know that happened?" And he said that he thought that the, he thought the team was going to be ready to play, but they far outperformed his expectations in that area. And he also mentioned uh, Aaron Lowe's mom speaking to the team, and he thought that was a a big piece of the puzzle as far as guys getting back into football mode. Not to go far, you know, too far into something that needs to stay inside the team, but can you just expand on that if possible, what, what she said to you and how it impacted the team? I mean, yes, um, that's pretty much what she said and, you know, what Coach, Coach Wood said and all the leadership agreed on is that, you know, um, Alo, I'm not I'm even going to stop right there. I mean, um, his mom is one of the strongest women I ever met in my life and, uh, you could see that when she came to talk to us. And um, that really inspired a lot of boys, I think, uh, seeing how strong she is. And, um, she, you know, she said, that's exactly what she said, what Coach Witt said. And it, it, it was a realization uh, upon her saying it, Coach Witt saying it, and, you know, ultimately the leadership in the team saying the same thing that, look, we have a long season ahead of us um, that goes by fast. And, you know, we have to take advantage of what we got. And ALO would have won anything different. And, um, you know, that's that's what we decided as leadership and as a team that, you know, we're going to go out and do exactly what ALO would have done. And even though days get hard, go ahead and smile through it. Well, congratulations on the win at USC. We're all looking forward to that Arizona State game, and we will talk to you again next week after that game with the Sun Devils. Nick, thanks for coming on this morning. Thank you. You guys have a safe day. All right, you too. Nick Ford, center for the Utes. He looked at the defensive lineman and laughed. We got you. It's got to be an unnerving well, yeah. field to have an offensive lineman right. across from you laughing at you. <laughs> like, what I think funny? everybody's got to see they've rolled over and played dead. You know, I thought the two touchdowns uh, at the end of the half came against USC defense still playing. I don't know what happened at halftime, but whatever mojo USC had was gone in the third quarter. At that point, it just looked like uh, the Utes were driving against air. You know, some some practice deal they might let us watch in the spring. You know, 11 offensive guys out there just running around. They yeah, just blew through them in the third quarter. SC was done. The, the Trojans are their history. Maybe if Jackson Dart gets in there, that can provide them with some energy down the line. So it'll be a new young guy, and uh, you know maybe he can have a little bit of a small effect the way Rising did on the Utah's offense. I'm not sure about that. That doesn't explain the defense. But it seems like they've quit, and this is 
This is the ultimate disarray. I'm, I'm not sure. I blame it on the man, uh, the uh, administration. I don't understand what the point was in firing Clay Helton a couple of games in the season. If you were going to do it, you should have done it uh, because you basically you wrecked any chance you had for a successful season. And now, as far as the Pac-12 South goes, it's a three-team race. SC's two and three, way up the track now. UCLA's got one loss sitting behind the Devils and the Utes. I guess we're going to be locking it down on ESPN next weekend, PK. 1.30 for BYU and Baylor. 8 o'clock for Utah and ASU. Both games on ESPN on the Mothership. The who? The Mothership. That's what ESPN what employees. Mean? That's what ESPN employees call ESPN. Oh. Oh, good for them. I'm not an ESPN employee. Uh, yeah, whatever. I don't care what station the game's on. Uh, yeah, I would be either way. But uh, this is a big game. Obviously, I don't think it puts. I don't think it puts either team in the driver's seat because they still have games. This is still the conference of. Guess what's going to happen this week? I guess you could say they're in the driver's seat, but that that I do it in a flimsy manner because there's still plenty of games to win. And in this conference, there's plenty of games to lose. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Yeah, and for the Utes, they will just be three games down, six to go. It'll be the fourth one for Arizona State. They haven't had their bye yet, but a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And you still got uh, UCLA looming over there. You have to say, I think the Devils would feel awesome if they win. It's one more game, and they've beaten sure. the two main contenders in the South. So, But uh, you're yeah, right, there's, can, still five, there's still five games left, and if they go 3-2, and two, yeah. then they'd be opening the door for one of those other teams to, uh, yeah, to walk through. Yeah, and that's through. conceivable, because this conference, like I've, so, I've told you, that it matters when you play teams. Uh, watching uh, the McKee kid from Stanford, uh, the Utes get him uh, in just under a month. Stands the reason he's going to be a lot better just under a month, and I thought he looked really good for a kid making his third or fourth start and just a freshman. Uh, and uh, so they're going to get him later in the season. Speaking of Utah, I think it's November 5th on the Friday night. He's he's going to be better. If I'm playing this kid, I'd much rather play him earlier when he's just barely getting started because he's got a lot of potential. They've had some really good quarterbacks in that program over the years, and he looks like he has the capability of being one of the better ones. So you don't know how that's going to turn out. Uh, Oregon, you, you know, just so many games that you're just not sure what's going to happen. You, obviously, this is a big game. I'm not downplaying the importance of the game, but at the same time, I don't think it sews up anything. It's just my point is it's too early, and some funky things can still happen. But certainly, certainly you'll want to get it. There's no question about that. It is a big game, absolutely. And to go 3-0 and in the conference, to me, that just – basically wipes out what you did in the non-conference and at that point nobody cares at least i wouldn't if you're three and zero. dj and pk it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone we've talked to samson nakua from the y and nick ford from the u and aggie head coach blake anderson coming off a of bye week is going to join us at 9 30 dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone now let's get this party started this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room. 
and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? <laughs> that is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes, yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Is that a fully satisfying weekend of sports, PK? Utes, Cougars, crazy day of college football. Alabama goes down. Oklahoma comes all the way back. A bunch of other good games we can get to. The NFL... Extra inning walk-off homer in Boston. Had it all. Had it all, huh? Had it all. Well, okay, there's no major golf championship. You got me. It had a lot. Well, from the football perspective, sure, yeah. I mean, the Texas-Oklahoma game was incredible. Uh, you could have stopped there and gone no more than that de- that game right there earlier in the day. Uh, the back and forth, the high scoring, the big plays, the craziness. Yeah, sure was absolutely a stunning game there uh, and then continued all day. Yeah, sure. It's that time of year, man. And when you get into conference play and all that stuff, it really matters. And BYU doesn't have that. They'll get it in a couple of years. But it was a big game with Boise, and I'm sure they're disappointed. Actually, I thought it, you know, right now it starts earlier in the week, too. It uh, doesn't necessarily begin on Saturday, Thursdays and Fridays. When they have these conference games, they take on added importance. Every one of them is just huge. No one is bigger than the other, I don't think. Because if you win the big one and lose the one that you don't deem as big, what's the difference? So when there's only eight or nine of them, they're all gigantic. Absolutely. So, yeah, sure, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching football from 10 in the morning till close to midnight with uh, Arizona and the Bruins there finishing it up in the Pac-12. Absolutely, yeah. This is this is where it's at right now, for sure. The Bruins messed around, but they put it away late. But a one-point game, starting to get kind of late in the third quarter. Like, what are you guys doing? Well, then they got two touchdowns, and that was the end of that. Yeah, and they had uh, Arizona had a quarterback change, the, the South Florida transfer, and he went down, McLeod, and their coach Fish is saying it's not a short-term injury. So they weren't very good to begin with, and now they're gonna. It looks like they'll be even potentially even worse. Uh, so the Utes have them. Uh, just uh, what's today? Today's the twelfth, I think, or eleventh. Uh, yeah, they've got them on the thirteenth of November. So just a little bit over a month, and that should be a nice opportunity for them. Utes can set themselves up really, really good. At least, uh, at least keep the dream alive, man. <laughs> by winning this week. Uh, I don't know that they will, uh, but they can really put themselves in a position to think, yeah, we made that quarterback change, and that was the big difference. And now look at us. We're a brand-new team, and we had some new guys at running back, and we're set. I don't know that they're really settled because then it was – it's like they've had uh, two other guys have big games, and then Thomas had them. So now you got three guys. I'm not sure what that means. They got three great guys, or uh, not sure who it's going to be. But as long as it's somebody, who cares? Yeah, I'm on that train right there. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, I guess you, you can say that, but at the same time, you wonder, you know, SC, how good are they defensively? What is their motivation? Seemed not like good. Of, not good. Of, I can answer of both of them. Those. Yeah, I can answer both those questions. Not good and not good. I, do, I think when it comes down to it, if everybody's doing about the same, if everybody's doing well, as you say, these three big games, three different guys, I think Kyle wants Thomas to be the back. And that's just off his public comments. When other guys are having big games and he's saying, we got to get Thomas going, well, I think you know where his priorities are. I mean, and the guy looks the part, and when he gets it going, he's unbelievable. He's had two big games, the first one against Weber State and this most recent one against USC. Now you can go to the quality competition, the first one, playing down a division. You can go to the quit in USC in the last game. So it's not like it's a slam dunk deal, but we have seen it twice, and we've heard Kyle say, we have to get him going. So Thomas is unbelievable to you. He's the guy. He's unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. He's unbelievable. So by definition, that means you can't believe it. <laughs> and we'll leave it right there. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. An hour late because it's an NIL Monday right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Brady throws a Seymour caught by Evans. He gets a block. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mickens with a block. Clean the way for Mike Evans to score his second of the day. Makes the handoff. Quick pass to Alvin Kamara. Wide open. 15-10. 5. He will score. Alvin Kamara. Touchdown, New Orleans. And what a clinching blow. We hope that will be. Henry on the left side to the 5. Henry to the goal line. Touchdown, tight. The Yuli Bulldozer. Count them. 1, 2, 3 scores. Handoff to Eckler. They're trying to let him score. They are. And they are pushing him into the end zone for a touchdown. They pulled him into the end zone. Yeah. And the Browns will have 90 seconds with which to work. The snap to Josh. Keeps it himself. Going to throw it into the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. Emmanuel Sanders. Touchdown, Bills. That should just about do it with 5.51 left to play. we got to establish something on offense. It's tough. You know, Coach saw his messages. We're going to figure it out. We're going to we really feel like we're right there as a team. It's just the little things. And it's just being able to start fast. Highlights from around the NFL, and there is Zach Wilson after the Jets go to London and get beat by the Atlanta Falcons. They're not starting fast, PK, but we saw a lot of the rookie quarterbacks play. Chicago got results because their defense was awesome and held the Raiders to nine points. We saw a couple other young quarterbacks get blasted at the goal line. Daniel Jones, a concussion, trying to run around the left end and into the corner of the end zone. And then in the uh, San Francisco game, trying to run the other way into the right corner of the end zone. That was a heck of a collision on fourth and goal. And uh, Trey Lance just got dropped. Don't run if you're an NFL quarterback. Yikes. Don't run. What do you yeah, so you got to run. Jackson is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be a pure pocket quarterback these days. There's very few of those guys running around. You got to pick your spots. I guess to the goal line, that's the time to be tough and see if you can get the points. But man, those two guys got. Well, the one was helmet to helmet. Uh, the concussion for Jones. Oh, those guys got go lit up. To helmet. Taysom Hill took one. Taysom Hill is a receiver. Yeah. And he, I don't think he knew anything about that defensive back because he came off another receiver and man covers the balls in the air a long time and. That was a nasty hit. 
It was. Derrick Henry, you heard the highlights in there for him. A massive game. The Titans keep the Jaguars winless, 130 yards and three touchdowns. He was unstoppable. You also heard in there the Bills with their late score. They got a big lead, then they had a long weather delay in Kansas City at halftime. It didn't matter. The Bills control that game. They win 38-20 and go to 4-1. The only team with a better record, your Arizona Cardinals. A perfect 5-0. I own them. Seven teams at 4-1 right behind them. The Bills are on the list. You heard the Chargers highlights in there. Defense, unable to get stops. A big chunk of the game. The Browns letting the Chargers score with a minute and a half to go to fall behind 47-42, hoping they could go score. But the Browns coming up empty on their last two possessions. Actually had the ball in the lead before that, but went three and out, which was pretty unusual for that game with guys running around the field wide open all day long. Yeah, Justin Herbert is just a stud. I've been saying it now. He's going to continue to get better and better. What a great quarterback he is. He's really good. And his receiver, Mike Williams, I mean, they have several skill players for him, but Williams is is the guy, which makes it all the more stunning when he's at the 10-yard line and a ball is thrown and there's nobody else deeper than the 25. Guys, that's Mike Williams. My fantasy team thinks that. What happened? Where were you? What are you doing? Yep, that is Mike Williams. Wide open. Cowboys, they are in that group of teams at 4-1. and one. The Giants, that was a whole series of injuries before Jones got the concussion. Saquon Barkley went out with an ankle injury. Kenny, Kenny Galladay got hurt later. And the Cowboys with Dak Prescott don't look anything like the Cowboys without Dak Prescott. Last year was a struggle. And this year, the Cowboys are rolling. Yeah, and they look legit. And it's not just a crappy division that they look legit. Prescott really has turned it on. Man, he's taking it up two or three notches. He looks great. They're the only team. They're 4-1. and one. They're the only team to beat the 4-1 and one Chargers. They gave them their loss. The uh, Another 4-1 and one team, the Tampa Bay Buc- Buccaneers, they just hammered the Dolphins 45-17. to 17. Tom Brady, five touchdown passes. Hurt a thumb through five touchdown passes anyways. They just shredded the Dolphins. Just thinking about this, I don't know that we'll ever see this again. A player at this age competing this well at 44. We literally may never see this again. You can never say never. I get that. But there's a possibility because we've never seen it before. How many times times can you say in sports, wow, I've never seen that? Usually that's a fluke play or something. You know, the Red we'll Sox. get to with, that, uh, right? Yeah, the uh, Red Sox. Bounces off the, uh, the uh, run throw in the outfield and it goes over the fence. So that, that's an individual uh, select circumstance. But to see a player this caliber, this good at this age, it's just incredible. Monday Night Football, Colts and the Ravens. Ravens are going to try to join that group at 4-1. and one. We'll see if they – I guess there's six teams at 4-1. and one. They'd be the seventh if they get there tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Hand the ball, Habibi Likio to the right side. Gets inside the five and scores. Habibi Likio made a great little cut to the left side at the goal line and scored. It's an 11-yard run for the transfer from Oregon and Boise State. An extra point away from tying the game. Van Buren up the middle. Van Buren pushing the pile. Does he have it? 
Fourth and goal or a touchdown. It's a touchdown. They give Van Buren the touchdown. Officially, we'll call it a one-yard run for Andrew Van Buren. Hall flushed out of the pocket. Hall chased by Craven. Hall throws the ball down the field. It's up for grabs. Who's got it? Boise State does. It's intercepted. And the Broncos are going to win this one on the road. Broncos 26-17, that interception, the fourth and final turnover for BYU. They didn't have any takeaways. They lost it four times. At that point, Hall didn't have a lot of options. There's two minutes left in a two-possession game. you got to try to force it in there. The, the three fumbles earlier, two of them gave Boise State 23- and 24-yard touchdown drives, and the other one came in the red zone when it looked like BYU was about to score and make it a one-point game midway through the third quarter. The turnovers were absolute killers. A-Rod afterwards saying it wasn't just the turnovers, the play they practice a thousand times, they line up wrong, just a lack of execution all over the place, destroying what what was a winnable game despite all the mistakes. You couldn't go away in the second half because you thought there was a chance. The Boise State field goal late is what really finally finished it off. Yeah, a lot of that stuff was just self-inflicted, and those things happen, man. It happened. You can't change it. So I've moved on from it. And what are you going to do now? Because six and one is pretty good. Five and two with a two-game losing streak. Obviously, that's not nearly good enough to where you thought you would be based on what you started. So the way you started. So now they got an opportunity to correct that and tighten it up. The way I look at it, man, you could take a lot of positive in that. Man, we really stunk. And we gave him the game. So let's not do that again. And we've got a really good chance to win. That would be my mindset if I'm the Cougars in terms of where they're at. And I listened to Bywater talk. He talked about how Kalani tells them, you know, the grown men don't pout. You deal with the situation and you get better from it. And so there's maybe a little bit of a hangover Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. But we're on to Monday morning. This is a new week, new game. Still plenty to accomplish. You find a way to get 10 wins. You've had an excellent season. I don't care what the circumstances are. So, got a great task at hand. I like the fact that they're playing a a team that's had a lot of success in the last several years. I mean, what did they start? What did Baylor start? 4-0, something like that? I I saw a stat. Yeah, they were 4-0. They lost Oklahoma State. They're 5-1 as well. Yeah, that's like the sixth time since... 2013 or something that they started that way so this is a pretty good program here and you go down there and Waco and get this win there's a lot to be said for that yeah I'm, I think it is a pretty good program but it, they have and I mean they just they've launched they've, they've, what do you think they've had like three this will be, Aranda assuming he get the way he's got it going here this will be the third straight good coach they've had who's won a lot, but they don't play a lot of big non-conference games, if any, so I would expect they have a lot of 3-0s. I mean, the Utes have yeah. a lot of 3-0s, and they'll play BYU, but they haven't played much beyond I'm not, You can downgrade year. Baylor all you want. I'm not going to. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. There's Keithy. He's in. Touchdown. They need inches for a first down. That's the shot I'm talking about. There it is. Over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Devon Belay. And Thomas remains the setback. Now he runs with intentionality. Look out. Tavion. Touch him all. Picking him up and putting him down. Play fake. They go that way. Oh, my 
wide open. It's wide open. A touchdown. Kincaid. And the Utes get that first win at Memorial Coliseum. Get rid of that footnote, as PK said to Nick Ford about an hour ago, 45 minutes ago. Well, can never never throw that one out there again. 0-5 in the Pac-12, 0-8 all-time. They got the win. They scored for touchdowns on four consecutive possessions. Blew the game open with that uh, stretch uh, around halftime. Two scores before the half, two after. And then it's just a matter of running out the clock. Yeah, you're 2-0. You made a quarterback change. That's awesome. You haven't lost since he started. And you've got the team that's a half game ahead of you because you had your bye. They haven't. Coming into your place Saturday night. What more could you ask for? A win. But at this point, not much. I guess you can worry about the non-conference games if you want, but the winner of this game is going to be the last undefeated team in conference play. And I'll have the tiebreaker head-to-head. And in the case of Arizona State, they'd have two because they would have beaten UCLA and Utah and be 4-0. So it will be a huge game Saturday night. Cam Rising throws for 300 yards. Tavian Thomas runs for 100 yards. USC, PK, a mess. We've been talking about it's a four-team race in the Pac-12 South. Not anymore, it's not. No, I think it's down to three teams. Uh, Any of these three teams, I could see winning it. I don't know that I could declare a favorite right now. If the Utes beat ASU, and if UCLA beats Utah, it could be a crazy mess at the end of the year. Yeah, really, yeah. And those are two of the next three games, so we'll get an idea pretty quickly. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 28-yard attempt by Seth Small. Is down, it is up. And the fight in Texas Aggies take down the top-ranked Tide, 41-38. to 38. Number one goes down, and the celebration is on at Kyle Field. Texas A&M beats number one-ranked Alabama, 41-38. Alabama had a bunch of streaks snapped in that game, hadn't lost since... 2019, 100 straight games with wins over unranked opponents. Nick Saban hadn't lost to an assistant, and it all went out the window in a crazy finish. Quarterback throws a touchdown pass, limping off, PK. He was limping off, and he comes back to lead the game-winning drive. Absolutely heroic. Yeah, they show the kicker's uh, mother there leading up to the kick. The mom and the wife, and yeah. Yeah. And she was sobbing when it went through. Yeah. Great win for them Aggies. Not the only crazy game of the day. Oklahoma was down by 21. Switches quarterbacks, rallies, and beats Texas 55-48. Running the ball to set up the game-winning field goal. Instead, they get the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, what a stunning game all the way around. You like offense. There it is, man. That's why I didn't put much stock in Brewer throwing for 450,000 yards and completing every pass in the spring game. Not a whole lot of defense played in that conference, and you're never out of it. And it's like the old whack. Whatever the deficit is, as long as there's time on the clock and it allows you to get enough possessions, you can do it. So do we give Oklahoma a lot of respect then for their 6-0? Because despite the fact that conference has gotten known for shootouts, Oklahoma was winning games 23-16 and 16-13 earlier this year. Now, if you're winning the low-scoring grinders and you're winning a blowout, 
Or it's Oklahoma, we don't believe. They'll just get to a semi and get blown out, and we don't care about that. <laughs> Somehow dismissing 12 or 13 wins along the way. Well, I, I, I don't know about giving respect. I think they already have it. Other high-scoring shootouts in the SEC. Ole Miss 52, Arkansas 51. The Razorbacks go for two and the win in a game full of big plays and scoring plays. They can't get the one they need. They oh. miss the two-point conversion and get beat. So close. Yeah. Georgia is the new number one. Alabama fell to fifth. Oregon's the top Pac-12 team at number nine. And ASU is the other Pac-12 team at number 18. BYU fall into 19. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Um, it's been really intense. Just me and Rudy, we beat each other up all practice, and then we play Call of Duty all night. So it's pretty much that's pretty much how how hard days go. It's so cool how close this team is. You know, I haven't been on a team this close. A lot of people say, "Hey, we're a close team. Hey, we do this together. Hey, we do not nah, like they really like. It's really like really like a close knit group. It's pretty great. I love it." That's Hassan Whiteside. Call of Duty is the game. Now, they got a game tonight against the Pelicans. Yeah, you can be close. You can play video games and all, but if you get beat in the second round, it's a disappointment. I'm more concerned about that than this other stuff. That's fun and all, and that's great. And I know the fans love to eat that stuff up, but this team was built to contend and win a title, and that's how they'll be judged. Can't do that in October. All you can do is tune up with the Pelicans. Third of four preseason games tonight, 7 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 6. You'll hear the game right here on the Zone Sports Network. Preseason wraps up Wednesday, and then we get on with it and get to the season opener. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 3-1 pitch, hammered in the air. Deep center field. That baby run! Oh, a home run! Three-run homer lead! And they've got the lead. Young Luis Patino delivers, and there's a drive left field, high and deep, back by the wall, gone! Red Sox win it! Christian Vasquez, a two-run homer, can you believe it? 6-4 Boston in 13 innings. Couple American League playoff games. The White Sox avoid the sweep. They beat Houston 12 to 6. And the Red Sox are up 2 to 1 on Tampa Bay after Christian Vasquez walks it off in the 13th. A wild celebration at Fenway Park after a bizarro play in the top of the 13th. Stuff you can't script, PK. Yeah, the ball goes off uh, Renfro and right field bounces over that little short fence they have there Fenway obviously it's probably the most unique outfield dimensions and all that stuff with the wall and then the the way the thing juts around and then it's only what barely waist high in right field and the ball bounces over the runner clearly would have scored in the 13th he was running yeah well yeah he could have jogged home at 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 that point well if, if the ball had hit the fence but the fence is is not even chest high there it's it's crazy I don't know. There's no other park where that could have happened. I don't think. I, I can't recall. It would have to take a, off the top of my head. It would have to take a much bigger hop than that. Yeah, right. And it was right. off the wall, off, the, and, and he was so close to the wall 
there was nothing he could do to engineer it. It just happened very quickly. And the yeah. runner at first is trying to steal, so he's almost to second. And we all assume he would have scored, but the rule book doesn't allow for that, so it's a ground rule double. So he gets sent back to third base, and then the Rays never get him home. You know, if you follow it up with a two-run single, it's a bizarre play, but it doesn't matter. No. But they didn't get a run home, so it did matter. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then and then Vasquez goes Austin deep. does get the home run, yeah. Today's schedule, four games, Brewers and Braves, uh, 11 a.m. on TBS. That series is 1-1. Astros try to close out the White Sox up 2-1. That's 1-30 on FS1. Red Sox will try to close out the Rays up 2-1. That's 5 o'clock on FS1. Giants and Dodgers tied 1-1. That game tonight, 7-30 on TBS. And, of course, you'll have Monday Night Football going at the same time, and you'll have the Jazz going, so there will be plenty to watch. Busy. Exactly. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up. Question of the day. Explain it. How do you explain what happened Saturday? The team that had a couple of disappointing losses gets a big win. The undefeated team... Plays a team with a losing record, fumbles four times, and gets beat. How does it happen? We will get to that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet. But it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021. And you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Question of the day. How do you explain it? BYU lives in a Boise State at home. Utah crushing USC in Los Angeles. Dennis says, well, the Cougs still control their destiny in the Pac-12 South. (laughs) Did get a lot of laughing emojis. (laughs) Craig, the rivalry in all things. Craig, balance has been restored in the state of Utah. Eric with a serious take. Any given Saturday, these are humans, not robots. They have good days and bad days like all of us. This is why they play the game on the field and not on paper. Yeah, it would be boring if they played it on paper. That would be boring. Play that little paper football game, fold the thing into a triangle, waste time at school, shooting it back and forth across the table. That's pretty boring. (laughs) But when you're trapped at school, it's just the best option. 
As soon as you're not trapped at school, there's a lot of better options. Yeah, I was never trapped. I just viewed it as an opportunity for personal edification. That's <laughs> the way I viewed school. Uh, now we ask about Utah and the BYU games, but Scott posts, down goes Bama. And Kathy posts, Texas A&M beat number one Alabama. Woohoo! 49 states ruined against Alabama. And a big chunk of that state roots for Auburn. It's them against the world. And they're winning most of the time. That's a great spot to be in, yeah, where the country is happy you lost. That means you've got something special going on. I don't really care. I don't root against Alabama. But as the kid was lining up the kick, I have to admit, in all honesty, I was hoping he made it. <laughs> Make it. Overtime would have pushed our news back. We needed that thing to end. Every, everybody was that. rooting for it. But uh, it's sort People, of fun to have Alabama, Alabama go down and have something different happen. But, but I got enormous, enormous respect for the program. I don't root against them. They could still win the national title with a loss. Nobody's ruling that out. It's been done plenty of times uh, before. It could yeah, be done again. National title. It's just somebody votes you in to play a tournament. Yep. They can win a tournament that you're voted in to play. BYU lost. Utes won. Life is good. Enough said. Harold. Harold bleeds crimson. You know that. That's the great thing about this rivalry, man, is that you have to have the other one, too, for it to be a perfect Saturday. But yet, uh, you're past them. No, you're not. They're still who you are, and you are who they are, and and I'm sure there are plenty of BYU fans who are rooting for SC on Saturday night. Uh, because that's part of it. That's why this rivalry is one of the very best in the country. You got to have two pronged. You got to win, and you have to have the other guy. It's uh, it, to me. Uh, I think it's better than my rivalry with Arizona and ASU. But maybe that's just me, because I've always felt if my team wins, I don't really care what the other team does. But here, you got to have both, and the Utes had it. They lost earlier in the day, and you won later at night. All Ute fans went to bed happy. So breaking it down a little more, Tony posts this. BYU's first two drives came too easy. Overconfident. Lost intensity. Four turnovers. Rush three, bend, but don't break defense. Broke today. The defense needs to change things up a bit. Boise ran all over him. It was hard to watch. Utah just imposed their will on USC. Made it look easy. I did think that, wow, man, 10 to nothing, this is way easy. And sometimes you get a little nervous about that, having it be so easy, especially because you've literally never trailed to that point the entire season, and you were almost virtually halfway, literally halfway through the season, and you still hadn't trailed, and you're up 10 nothing, thinking uh, human nature would indicate, yeah, we got this. We're going to win again because it's what we do. And this is the first time that they really had to face big-time adversity, and they made it worse on themselves. They kept making it worse. They allowed the underdog to have some momentum and feel good about themselves. Yeah. If I'm a BYU fan, I I would have had to go into the gym around 4 o'clock on Saturday because I had so much frustration that I had to let out go in there turn the thing on to about 9-5 on the treadmill, get in front of the punching bag or whatever it is that you do to get at your frustration. Because from the BYU perspective, that was extremely frustrating. From the Utah perspective, 
It took me a little bit, but then I realized, okay, SC has no business even wanting to be here. They don't want to be here. The fans don't want them there. They just want this thing over. Get on with the new coach. Get on with recruiting, and we'll see you next year or the year after. And Utah took advantage of it. Once they got that uh, that flea flicker, that was over. USC was broken. All that stuff you say about get on to the new coaching staff and the recruiting, can you do that at halftime in game six? Is that possible? You just hire someone now and well, get on with they it? They did it uh, at halftime in game, game three. Game three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've gotten smoked three times at home. Get out of town. If you're a visitor, if you if you still play SC on the schedule and you're supposed to play them at your place, you say, hey, how about we play at yeah, your place right. this year? Notre Dame's ready to flip. <laughs> you guys are nothing at home. Let's go out there now. I mean, the, the attendance is just going to be so miserable. The atmosphere is going to be awful. They're just going to go through the motions. There's no question about yeah. that. I mean, they, they'll probably win because they got, they got Arizona. And the biggest game of the week this week is Arizona and Colorado to see who gets that win. (laughs) (laughs) Or the pillow fight of the week. Got a breakthrough now. Because I've been saying for weeks now, whoever wins that game, that's going to be their only win in conference. And the other one might not get I don't think we've had an 0-9 team. I can't recall if we have. I don't think we have. But we might get it this year. Whoever wins that game, well, they both get to game. play. They both get to play Cal, who's one and four, and I would expect mm. Cal would be favored in that game, but yeah, uh, can't but Cal, guarantee anything. Cal looks like uh, the Packers compared to <laughs> these other guys, man. They, they have been competitive. You know, yeah, they lose have, it, losing certainly. to TCU, they're competitive. Right. Nevada they're competitive. The line Washington, against, uh, Washington was competitive. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's no question. They're, I mean, they're they're miserably disappointed for sure. But they're but they're not on the Arizona Colorado other, level. Those other two teams, yeah. Although yeah. you always point out, there's five shockers in the league every year that are unexplainable. I still, if I were Arizona, Colorado, I'd want to get one right now. Yeah, I don't think there's five. <laughs> I think I said two to three. Oh, two to five, three. Five okay. seems a little on the high end. Three shockers. Then I still wouldn't want to wait on that. I'd want to get that one. The, get the other bottom feeder. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, then if you get the shocker, now you got two, baby. I suppose maybe one of them can get it at home. Uh, maybe, but that's a weak maybe. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. From the Utah perspective, they still have to play both of them. I don't think either of them is going to uh, be able to do it. I c- obviously, I could be wrong. Uh, but if you, I mean, if you throw, if you turn the ball over a bunch of times, like the Cougars did on Saturday, and gift wrap teams a bunch of points and momentum and all that stuff, there's possibilities there for sure. I don't particularly see it if you just go even up between the two teams right now, uh, between Utah and versus Arizona and Colorado. So I think they got two wins sitting out there. Um, and then everything else, to one degree or another, is a toss-up. And I certainly think they're going to beat both of those teams that we just mentioned. But I think all the other games, that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll end up being a toss-up. But as we sit here right now, I view them as toss-ups, meaning they could go either way going forward. Uh, but that could change. As we get into November, I may think differently. I'm, I'm going long-range forecasting right now. Certainly, I view the ASU game as a toss-up. Have you seen the line for it? What the odds makers think? 
Man, I would go pick them myself, but I'd probably go the Devils one or two. I'm going to go two and a half since I always say that I never go halves. This time I'm going to do it. I'm going to go two and a half. Arizona State by one. Oh, dang it. I shouldn't have gone a half. The one time I go to a half, I shouldn't have gone to a half. Well, that virtually is a pick man. Uh, Arizona-Colorado, the pillow fight of the week. You got a line for that one? Well, I don't know. But I would have given Arizona a favorite, but now with the quarterback, quarterback situation. Thing, I know. Yeah. I, I'm 100% with you. I thought Arizona's playing teams tougher than Colorado, and Colorado just can't score. Right. They can't score. So I figured, well, Arizona will go in and win, you know, 20 to 10 or 17 to 7 or something like that. An update on that, by the way. Jordan McLeod officially out for the year is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. Well, Fish said that there wasn't a short term deal. And we're halfway so through the season. They, so. they, they got a guy who he showed me something a little bit watching him play, and now he's gone. It sucks for the kid big time. I'm not a Cats fan, but. I just as soon have the kid play. You never. I don't, I'm not into it that much. Where I'm rooting against guys that get hurt so my team can win. Uh, that stinks. Uh, is that game in Boulder or Tucson? I guess it's Boulder. It, it's at right? Colorado. Yeah, because the Cats just played at home last week. Uh, I guess I'd go Arizona by a field goal. Colorado by seven and a half. Oh man, seems like a lot of points. Yeah, I guess. On the other hand, Arizona zero and five, and now a quarterback change. So. Yeah, I guess I could go Colorado because they are at home and they beat their Big Sky team and Arizona didn't. UCLA is at Washington. This is a big game for ASU and uh, for Utah. UCLA, can they get a second conference loss? Oh, it's a gigantic game. Washington's, yeah, Washington's two and three, one and one in the conference. UCLA's four a, and two, two and one in the conference. They had a bye last week. Uh, that's another game that I would go virtually close to pick them. Maybe by three? Washington by two. Yeah. Washington by two at home. UCLA is the underdog despite the start they're off to. No, I would expect that, yeah. But I I would go pick them. There's so many games that that are pick them this week. BYU's got Washington State coming up in two weeks. Washington State will tune up, quote-unquote, for the BYU game by playing Stanford at home. Stanford's three and three. Wazoo's three and three. They're both three and three overall, and they're both two and two in the conference. Ooh, that's another close. One. That's a game I thought would be pick'em as soon as I saw the schedule, but the line is not a pick'em. It's uh, Stanford by. I'm gonna go. I'll go two and a half. Stanford by one. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that, the two times I go with the halves, they hurt uh, me. I know. I know. Cal is at Oregon Friday night. That's the other Pac-12 game. Friday night. Hmm. Uh, certainly, uh, Oregon. Twelve. Uh, I was thinking in the 7 to 10 range, but it's 13 and a half. Bigger spread than I expected. Yeah, I, I, I went two touchdowns is what I was thinking. Yeah. That's why I came to the 12. Uh, yeah, Oregon's got to get back going. I'm just not, I'm not sold on Oregon being a big-time team. That's I mean, why I thought 7 good. to 10, yeah. They're good, and they can beat you, and, and they beat Ohio State, so you can't, you can't take that away. That's an eye-opening win. For sure, but, but they, I just don't think they have the consistency. And now Trey dies out, out for the season. I mean, he's really, really good. Uh, and how are they going to deal with that? Uh, I'm not sure Oregon will be in the Rose Bowl this year. Opening the door for the Devils or uh, the Utes. Say, yeah. The, the funny thing is that this isn't Utah's 
at, I don't even know if it's their third best team since they've been in the conference, but this might be their best chance to get to the Rose Bowl since they've relative. been in the conference. Everything's relative. The rest of the yeah. league's down. Yeah. The rest it, of the league was down their first year in the league. Uh, it, big 12, uh, BYU and Baylor. I'm going to treat it like a Big 12 game, even though it's still a year and a half away. You got an idea on that one? I wish it was a Big 12 I know. game. I know. I just, to me, I don't get these long engagements. <laughs> <laughs> Unwinding contracts. Why schedule so many games so far out? Anyway. It's like the antithesis well, I mean, BYU, BYU had to. Yeah. They, had, they had to. They had no choice. Uh, I'd go Baylor by four. And a half. It was five. It came down half a point since it opened. Uh, and then uh, get used to it, BYU fans, just to the Big 12. Iowa State's a K-State. They're both 3-2, and two, although K-State's 0-2 in the Big 12. Uh, I don't have a really good feel for that. I, I, I suppose don't either. it would be. I, I just... Just haven't followed it enough to like to the level of the Pac-12. I will in in two years. That's it, for sure. It's I'm gonna just... it's gonna get hard. It's gonna double the number of games to fall, and they're all gonna be happening at the same time. Yeah, There's only okay, so many but, hours in a day. And well, you can read up during the week and the Pac-12 network where there's 16 and I 16. actually think it gets easier once you get a familiarity with the team. Well, that is true. There are definitely storylines that continue. Right, and from year to year, and right. so you you don't go into it blind. Now, it's going to take a little bit, and not this next summer, but the summer after. Don't bother me. I'm going into a six-week dive on Big 12 because the job requires that we get up to snuff. I mean, I have a cursory view, particularly with Oklahoma and Texas, because they get so much run, and you just naturally follow. But when you're you're getting down to the... To the middle of the league, Iowa State and K-State. Iowa State and K-State. We're both good. Iowa State was great last year. Yeah, so I, I would probably go Iowa State by five, but I'm just taking a stab in the dark there. Iowa State by six. Okay, well, that was a good stab in the dark. Yeah, Oklahoma uh, State to Texas, that's a big game. That'll be on Big Fox at 10 a.m. this week. 10? 10 in the morning? 10 in the morning. That's the wake-up game. Yeah, and then and Oklahoma, I mean, I got basic knowledge of these teams. Oklahoma State, uh, seems like Gundy every third week is saying something to draw my attention in. Uh, there, so in Texas, uh, man, what, what a this line what a, surprises what a me. Season, I think I would go. I'd probably go. Uh, I'd probably go Texas by seven. Texas by five and a half. Oklahoma State is undefeated. They went to Boise State and won. They gave Baylor their only loss. I gotta say, I'm surprised. Now people bet with their hearts, and fans bet with their hearts. And Texas has a lot of fans, and just played a super exciting game. So I get all that, but Oklahoma State is undefeated, and I think they got two quality wins, and that doesn't even count them beating K State. Well, they're a quality football program, right? Yeah, exactly. People people bet with their hearts, though. Uh, a lot of people do. Uh, yeah, but a lot of fans do. There, I mean, there's hardcore people out but, there, but who are I mean, taking the gamblers. You know, what level, what percentage of betting is done by people who are trying to make money versus just the fan? You well, see what I'm saying? Well, 100%, and that would be a very interesting question to ask someone who's worked in the industry. And I, I, my guess is, and I've got nothing to back this up, uh, just gut instinct, my guess is that it depends on the game and the fan base. Obviously, some fan bases are much bigger than others, and some games are more ho- high profile, and I think they would attract the casual money that where people are betting with their hearts. 
But how much of that is of the pool? Is that I'm right, sure there's because, there, but it, I, right, I think and, so. I've been around gamblers and my you've whole got life, to, and you've got to weigh the bets. The person who throws down five hundred bucks on a game is right. five times more important than the person who bets a hundred bucks on a game, who is twice as important as the person who goes to the window and puts down fifty bucks. And I don't think that that casual fan is putting down that kind of money. I think the hardcore who study this and literally it's what they do. Now, I don't know this, but that's what I think. I think those are the folks who are putting down the serious money or the people who analyze these things and do this week to week, not just Joe Blow fan. I want my team to win, so I'm going to put 20 bucks on them. Uh, one more line, and then we'll go to break right here. Utah State coming off a of bye week. We're going to talk with Blake Anderson at nine thirty. Is at UNLV. The Aggies are oh, three that's and two. Be at least fifteen. The Rebels are zero and five. No, <laughs> it opened at a touchdown, and it's come, or it opened at seven. It's come down to six and a half. I don't see it, man. I think if as long as Aggies can roll. play, I think they should be able to kill him. That Aggie offense to put up all those points on Air Force, I would think they'd be yeah. putting up all those points on UNLV. Yes, yes, exactly. That's what I would expect. UNLV has been in a lot of high-scoring games this year. Eastern Washington put 35 on them. ASU 37. Fresno State 38. Iowa State 48. Come on. Utah State's going to score in this game. We'll talk with Blake Anderson about that coming up at 9.30. Stay with us. Ready, ready, it's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a big Pac-12 showdown against Arizona State as the Utes hope to keep their dreams of a Pac-12 title alive. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? Mason Crosby for the win. Snap and placement. Here's the kick. It is up. It is good! Mason Crosby got it done! Fourth time a charm! Fourth time a charm for Mason Crosby! And the Packers win it in overtime! That's your Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show. You can win fabulous prizes. PK, if there was ever a time to invoke your rule on limiting field goals to three attempts per game, that was the game. The Packers go into the locker room at halftime, come out, have the ball six times, four times in the second half, two times in overtime, and they kick a field goal at the end of all six drives. Green Bay, work on your red zone offense, will you? I realize you didn't get into the red zone for all of them, but work on your red zone offense anyway. That was horrific. It was also hilarious. If you cut all the mixed field goals together, just one after another, kickers just lining up trying to win the game, missing one after another. And Cincinnati had a 57-yarder in there, so I'll give him a pass on that one. But, man, that was a lot of field goals. I know. Six in a row. 
<laughs> the punter punted twice in the first half, and then he was done. Right. Pay your punter the minimum. They can't go too cheap on a punter because they'll get you beat. <laughs> but they only play a couple plays a game. They can mess everything up in those two or three plays. But All right, there's the, uh, there's the play, the play of the game. Know it today at 450. DJ and PK coming up. Explain what happened this weekend. A crazy weekend in sports. Your explanations are next. Stay with us. DJ and PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the morning. How did it happen? What's the explanation? Undefeated BYU goes down to defeat to Boise State at home. Utah goes to L.A. and crushes USC. Explain away. The Jazzy Youth says, well, BYU's not as good as people thought, and Utah's not as bad as people thought. Whole lot of that going on in college football, right, PK? Aren't that many teams ended up with 11 or 12 wins. Aren't that many teams ended up with two or three wins. There are ups and downs. That's why we love it. It's an unpredictable roller coaster. Every year, a game you shouldn't have lost. Nobody ever wants to say, nobody ever wants to say, that's a game we shouldn't have won. (laughs) But they're games you shouldn't have won. And you did. Got away with one there. How good do you expect BYU to be? Uh, well, I think most people that started the year were thinking eight and four, nine and three. So five and one, you're ahead of the curve. And I think at so this that, point in the season, people thought they'd probably probably depends on who you were, but three and three or four and two. Okay, so then how could we say they're not as good as we thought? Though, if that, that doesn't make any sense, not as they're good actually as we thought better than we thought, right? But not as good as we thought when they were five and zero. Oh. Because you're constantly readjusting. You're right. Versus what you thought on August 15th, before anything kicked off, BYU is in a better place than I thought they would be in. But what I thought when we were doing the show Friday, they're 5-0, and they're at home against a Boise State team that's 2-3 and that is not a good second-half team. Thought they had a good chance. Thought they had a very good chance to win the game. Oh, but but they turned it over four times. And that this... will wreck your chances every time. I don't, I don't. I don't think you can say there's not a good second half team. I mean, they, what's the difference? First half, second half. That doesn't make any sense. I, I, I didn't watch all those games in the second half to know what would happen. I'm just. You just can't look at a, a score line and say this equals this. So this is what it is. Uh, I, I don't buy that. Uh, after a few games against some good competition. Uh, the fact is, if you told me that BYU would have four turnovers and Boise State wouldn't have any, I'd that pick Boise State. Eleven field, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think anything less of BYU. And if, if I'm a Cougar coming to practice today, I am fired up. I am fired up even more so than I was at five and zero, because now you got folks dropping off the bandwagon. They dropped 10 spots in the rankings. That's a lot. Uh, That just means they were high, because if they weren't that high, dropping 10 spots would likely drop you out. Uh, So now you've got... If you're BYU, you constantly have to prove yourself. You never get the benefit of the doubt. So with that in mind, now you're going into Big 12 on the road. This is an opportunity to really show them against another team that's 5-1 and themselves. Come on, man. What more could you ask for if you can't have six and zero, and you can't have six and zero because you blew it? 
I would be just itching to get back out on that field and practice field and show what kind of team we are. I, I, I feel, in a sense, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I feel better about BYU's chances than if they were 6-0, and zero, and maybe that's ridiculous. I understand that, and it's hard to get your Got uh, the weight of expectations off their shoulders, though. I think people can understand that. There is pressure that comes with being undefeated or having a long streak. Yeah, and so you won three in a row against the South, and you proved it, proved it, proved it. Well, now you got to prove it again. <laughs> That's just, so it's like those those games didn't even count. And yeah, you said, well, uh, the uh, Utah and ASU are eight and three. That's because they just beat teams in the conference who aren't very good. I mean, that's all they've done, right? They just beat teams in the conference that we're acknowledging isn't very good. So what, ASU what is has, a, ASU has the big win because they beat UCLA. Yeah, but you just told me that that conference isn't very good because Utah BYU just went three and zero against them, and particularly that division isn't very good. So what really have these teams done in compiling these eight wins? Beat a bunch of average teams potentially. Uh, average and bad, yeah. Combination. I, I mean, they both play know. money games. You're supposed to win those, even if they're good teams at their right, level. Right, right. At your level, I mean, you're only paying that money and bringing them in because you think you're going to beat them soundly. Route them. Here's a take for you that's both looking back and looking forward. Clint tweets uh, in response to BYU losing to Boise State at home and Utah crushing USC and U in LA. How does it happen? Bah! BYU will crush USC too. Also, had BYU had three fumbles that cost them. And the BYU will crush USC take, I think a lot of people held. The first person I remember saying it aloud on the air, because it was a long way away, but I was driving to our college football roundtable, and you were on with Scotty, and somebody, I don't know if it was you, it might have been somebody else who was on, somebody said to Scotty something about BYU, USC, and he's like, BYU will crush USC. By then they will fire Clay Helton, and they'll be in disarray. Well, they've accomplished those goals in the first half of the season. They fired Clay Helton, and they are in disarray with three home losses. Everybody yeah. crushes USC at this point. Everybody who's decent. I mean, that doesn't mean Arizona will, and Colorado couldn't. Let's see what Dart does when he gets in there. Uh, I, I question that. If he comes in, he's going to be fired up because he's just barely getting started. So that could change the team's complexion in the way that the defense will play better. Changed Utah's complexion. The, the defense will play better. USC has more problems than Utah, and quarterback changes can certainly, you know, spark a team. We've seen that lots of times at multiple levels. High school, college, pro, quarterback plays critical. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not gonna. It seems pointless to worry about a game that's November 27th on October 11th. Maybe that's just me, but I'm not really interested in breaking down that game right now. Nick says Cam Rising, Clark Phillips, and Devin Lloyd were better than USC's best. Playing good teams week after week catches up to you, as BYU found out. Boise was up for BYU in the same way BYU was up for Utah. It's very difficult to keep up that level of intensity when you're favored. I guess that's what makes it all the more impressive when when Obama doesn't. Two years ago, Utah kicked the crap at everybody, and they were favored every week. I, I completely disagree on that. 
well, his argument then, I will speak for you now, Nick Tate, at you, Nick, would be caught up with them when they played Oregon. Caught up with them? Were they favored against Oregon? I don't remember. And USC. Those would be their Oregon losses. Was, Oregon was a better team. Yeah, I don't think they were favored in either of those games. I'd have to go double check. And no, no team is no team has gone nine and zero in the conference. So why would I think Utah would have gone nine and zero? And I don't think any team is going nine and zero this year either, for that matter. Well, that's part of the explanation, though, isn't it? It's hard to stay up and stay on your game. And the more you win, the more you get the target, and the more people get up for you. Even if they are, you know, B minus football team, they get up for you and give you their best game. And you play your B minus game, and oops, it happens. Especially in a sport where. The best team doesn't always win, and turnovers are the great equalizer. And if you get them... Well, except Utah SC two years ago, uh, Utah had... It was the first game, so no one was favored. I guess if you go on preseason poll, they were. I, I just think that... I, I don't... I What I think is that it's hard to play at your best every week. It, it doesn't matter if you suck. It doesn't matter if you're great. It just... Things happen... In sports, and it's hard to be consistently great every single week. I think that's the big issue. Lucky you, so somebody at least in this conference, somebody's going to get you. Lucky you says, I know it's surprising, but sometimes college football teams improve slash worsen as the season progresses. I don't think that's surprising at all. I already said I think Stanford, when the Utes play them on November 5th, will be much better than they have been here recently. I think that's going to be an extremely tough game on that Friday night. Because I think Stanford's going to be better than they are right now. They've got an experienced coach, and they've coached teams up before, and they've got a young quarterback, so there ought to be plenty of room to grow. So... I don't think you're very far out on the limb there. I think you're right. Now right. We'll see. He threw for over 300-plus yards against the Devils in their great defense the other night. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your audio. Send us your takes. Why did Saturday go the way it did? And Curtis says, BYU got caught up in the top 10 ranking and let down the intensity. That game was Boise State's top game left on their schedule. Perfect storm for the upset. I can see truth to that, yes. And the intensity let down because they got 10 points so easily, so quickly off the first two possessions. Yes. Yes, and they didn't. There wasn't good enough ball security. I mean, you you just can't have that, man. You can't. You got to do whatever it takes. You put the ball in your gut. Do whatever. There's ways to protect it, and they didn't do it. And credit Boise for creating turnovers, and the devastating turnovers. Really, really, just devastating. So I think that that's why I feel more encouragement for BYU going forward because I think that was the kick-in-the-teeth wake-up call that they needed. So they probably weren't going to go undefeated anyway. So now you've got you to really, really bear down. I am so interested to see how this BYU team responds 
on the road here Saturday afternoon. One thirty ESPN for Baylor and two coaching staffs that know each other really well. There will be there will be no secrets. Jeff Grimes and A-Rod have sat in too many meetings and talked too much football and watched too much film and coached too many games together to have a bunch of secrets. I don't think there's that many secrets anyway. I think these teams scout each other a thousand times over. I'm not really worried about that. I mean, it's, that stuff happens all the time. It's about execution, what you do on offense and defense and how you stack up and where you're supposed to be because I think these teams are highly trained and they're supposed to be uh, well coached and I believe they are and so it's up to the kids to do it. so you, you heard Kyle all the credit goes to the players he said that Saturday night in the Coliseum and that's so true because they're the ones you can dial up the plays and scout and blah 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 but the, folk, the, the ones on the field are the ones who have to do it and what's it going to be with them That that's what it's going to boil down to Two great games. This is what we've talked about, what we wanted to see. When it's a, when it was apparent that BYU wasn't going to get in the Pac-12 for whatever reason, some can say religious, whatever, well, really, what's the difference? They're not in. That's all that matters. And so we dreamed of the Big 12, and we dreamed of a time when there was two big games, Big 12 versus Big 12 and Pac-12 versus Pac-12, and that's what we got this Saturday. Two five and ones, two teams that the only two teams left in the conference that don't have a loss. This is really what we talked about for years, and it's going to come to pass on Saturday. It's obviously it's not a conference loss or win, but still, it's the closest thing we're going to get until we get to 2023, and I think it's pretty cool. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we're going to talk with the Aggies head coach. Blake Anderson is going to join us. Coming up next, your feedback on the way. Grab your phone, use the open mic feature on our app, and we will get it on the air. DJ and PK, the Aggies coach, joins us next. Stay with it. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, Ben Dobbs and Bruce. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night, and my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away, and then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on me. That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk. With Utah State football coach Blake Anderson in a few minutes, he'll call in here and we will talk with him as the Aggies come out of a bye week, jump back into Mountain West Conference play. They have a game with UNLV this week. This is a little off the topic, but did you see the Barstool Sports thing where the Barstool Sports guy 
confronts John Cusack at the White Sox game? I saw that it happened. I did not <laughs> see it. It's like Barstool Sports, anything for clicks, man. TMZ is like, why didn't we think of that? And he goes up to Cusack and says, you can't go here and act like you're a, a White Sox fan. You've been a hardcore Cubs fan. And they get in this argument. <laughs> Part of the fandom is you've got to suffer. Some have to suffer more than others. <laughs> but, yeah, you just don't jump on the White Sox now that they're in the playoffs and you were going ape you-know-what when the Cubs won the World Series a few years back. <laughs> and so they're getting this argument. It looks like it's outside the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> going back and forth on this. I think Barstool has something to say for that, especially in Chicago. Can you can you be a diehard of both? Is that possible? Well, is that get, legal? Let's get Steve Klauke on the line to announce. No, you stinking Cub fans, stay over there on the north side of the city and leave us alone. Is what I think Steve would say. Don't you have to choose? Growing up, where I had the team and they're the ones that played in my backyard, and absolutely. But as you get older, you find out there's tons of front runners and tons of people who just like to go to big games and tons of people who switch and. Fine, but you still can't be hardcore. You can do that. Because you just like the game, and it's the playoffs, and they're yeah. in your community. So you, But you can't be hardcore of both. You can't be hardcore of both. You I could can't. never do that. I could never do no that. No one can. People act like they do. They befuddle me. You can't. Me. You I can't also, be hardcore for more than one team. I also couldn't walk up to some guy who made some hit movies in the 80s and yell at him about it either. But whatever. Okay, that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> Okay, you so as can't long as we're on, hardcore for both. As long as we're on celebrities and sports, was that or was that not Tom Cruise at the Dodger Giant game? Yeah, I think it was. Or was that some guy who kind of looked at Tom Cruise? A lot of people uh, weren't buying it. I did, but I didn't study it. I there, looked at it. There the were people going over it like, like Zapruder. Yeah, there was one where he's smiling, but he's kind of looking away from the camera. For whatever reason, that really seemed like him. You know, did to me. There are plenty of people who think it wasn't. They think some dude just talked his way into a game. Yeah, I kind of sort of look like Tom Cruise. I can pull this off and get okay, some tickets. Fine. <laughs> I, I'm fine with it either way. Get the hottest Tom ticket Cruise in going town. To the game. It's, I went to many Dodger games, covered the Dodgers, not as a daily beat guy, but were there and almost, and would cover them in the press box. And almost every time I was in the press box, I saw somebody, somebody famous. So it makes sense. All right, DJ at PK, it is time to bring in Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coming off a of bye week. Were you obsessed about your own team, totally focused, watching bonus film of you and the opponents, or did you take a day to watch college football and just be amazed by the wackiness of it like the rest of us? Well, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of good games on Saturday. We got, we got plenty of uh, opponent film in all week. Uh, our opponent didn't play, so uh, we, we banked through all their games during the week. I, I'm like everybody else, man. I enjoyed some unbelievable games on Saturday. I think I sprained my thumb flipping back and forth between uh, – Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Texas OU. I'm not sure if anybody else had that problem, but I was. Those were happening at the same time, and just about as crazy at the same time. You glad you got your bye week out of the way now? Now it's football right now until all the way through Thanksgiving. Well, if we can stay healthy, I do. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we won't we won't get another break. It'll it'll happen quickly. We needed it 
desperately. We were pretty banged up. I, I think the first half of our schedule has been extremely physical. When you watched Boise and BYU play on Saturday, I think it just – I mean, it reminded me just those are two really physical, big, well-built football teams. I watched Air Force play this weekend as well. and A game that we came out of having to you know bang – uh, kind of old school football, so I, we needed it. Uh, I, I love the fact that it's gonna it's gonna get competitive and crazy over the next six seven weeks. But we cannot afford to get injured either. We're we're thin and and we we don't have a lot of luxury of of losing guys. So hopefully we can we can win games and stay healthy at the same time. Your division looks completely wide open here early on. Four teams on one loss. New Mexico's zero and two. And CSU's 1-0 after beating San Jose. But it seems pretty wide open the way everybody else has had a little bit of success and a little bit of trouble as well. Yeah, I think the league uh, is shaping up to you better be ready to play on Saturday because anybody can beat anybody. And it's proven to to look like that. Uh, Nobody, you know, nobody just shows just absolute dominance. But but everybody, even, I mean, we're going into an 0-5 Vegas, but they've been in every game, been close been down to the wire. I mean, we don't want to be their first win, but they're, they're going to win some games somewhere along the way. We just hope it's not this week. You talk about last week, Bonner. You thought he'd be back. Is he ready to go? Yeah, he should be fine. I mean, he was sore towards the end of the week, but was able to practice and throw it, do what he needed to. He, he's really not been healthy since week one. So, so this came at a good time for him. The, the knee uh, issue from the game the other night, Looks to be, uh, you know, something he's going to get past. I don't think he'll still be sore for a couple more days, but I would expect on Saturday that he's probably as healthy as he's been since fall camp started. So are you willing to play two quarterbacks right now or is he the guy for every snap or you're going to figure it out as you go along? No, he's the quarterback. He's the guy. We're going to still – we are still going to have some sub package stuff to to get Peasley involved, and, and so we'll – have that uh, available and, and can utilize it in some certain circumstances. But, I mean, Bonner's a guy, I mean, his experience has shown he gives us the best chance to, to be successful with the personnel we have especially. Uh, but there is value to throwing Peasley out there occasionally. It will not be a two-quarterback system, though. We're going we're gonna to ride Bonner and let him just keep getting better. I think every time he goes out and plays uh, with the guys that we're, we're playing with and in the system, I think he gets, he gets better at it. Have you been able to gauge the mood of the team following two consecutive losses? Yeah, I thought our I thought our meetings were good. Uh, I think uh, disappointed, but also uh, somewhat encouraged as well. I mean, I think they know how BYU and Boise are both built. They see where we made mistakes that that potentially cost us an opportunity to win. They feel like it's stuff that we can correct. You know, we didn't come out of the game feeling like we we're just completely overmatched, and and I think that'd be a completely different feeling. But um, there's a sense of urgency about, about just improving and an excitement that, that we really, truly have an opportunity to be in the mix and we kind of control our destiny. And if we just go out and play our best ball, that, that this team has some really cool things ahead of them. So I've been really, honestly, very pleased with the response. Um, I think they took coaching. We, we, we were coaching them hard, and I think they took it well. And, and what practices we did at this last week were – we're, you know, I thought positive. We got better. So that, that's all you can ask of a group. So you've watched all the UNLV film, and they have had three really close games that they've lost at the end, one possession games. What goes wrong for them? What is the, what is the flaw? What have other people attacked that you can attack? Well, I'd like to think that we're going to be a, a little bit better than them in space. I, I think their, their front is, is, can create some problems for us. 
Uh, we're going to do a great job of protecting the quarterback. Uh, I'd like to think that, that some of the same things that have helped us be successful moving the ball in, in previous weeks is, is going to be something we can uh, you know, lean on this week. I mean, we are good in space, and hopefully tempo and space can, can, be, uh, can be big for us. Uh, you know, I, I, as you watch them, if you throw the record out the window, you just don't see, you just don't see an 0-5 team. Uh, they have played really, really hard all the way through, which to me is is saying a lot about the coaching staff that even things are not you know even things are not going real well. They're still playing hard. They're they're not quitting on on them. And to me, that makes them extremely extremely dangerous. Um, you know, they've they've struggled to score points. They've been a little bit off. Their timing, a miss here, a mistake there, a turnover here. I mean, you're hoping you know for us. We, we don't need their timing to start clicking. Uh, you know, they've kind of been their own worst enemy uh, offensively up, up until this point. Yeah, kids are human, obviously, and they can see 0-5. Do you emphasize don't get caught up in that? I'm going to do the best I can to show them all across college football and honestly even the NFL, you know, just when you think the record indicates who the team is. I mean, look, look at this weekend. I mean, Mississippi State – Beats A and M. A and M turns around, beats the number one team in the country that everybody thought was unbeatable. Uh, I've seen zero and three teams beat uh, really good football teams. One and three teams. I mean, it, it, you, you just cannot look at the record. And in our league alone, uh, you know, watch Boise lose to Nevada, turn right, right back around and beat BYU. Colorado State loses to a one double A, turns right back around and beat San Jose State. You know, Hawaii struggling, turns right back around and beats Fresno who's in the top 25 minutes all across the country. It just shows you, you better be ready to play on Saturday, throw the records out the window and just play the best ball you can. Blake Anderson joining us, head coach at Utah State. Uh, the Aggies, you've got, um, you got the guys coming in as the transfers, and I'm curious how quickly the chemistry builds, and at what point? Because think if I ask you now, you'll say it's us. We're a team. At what point did that click in, and you felt that? I felt like uh, you could see that happening in spring ball. I think a lot of it had to do with just how our strength staff handled our guys during the off season. I think the amount of time that we spent with them, uh, you know, we took advantage of every minute that the NCAA gives you in the off season. But I did. I felt like as spring ball was going on, that you started to see some relationships start to build and guys started to kind of buy in. I think it was helpful that some of the transfers we brought in had success, successful spring ball. I mean, you could see them making plays that were going to help the team, and that always, you know, it always helps you when you look around and say, "Hey, man, this guy brings value. He's going to help us." Uh, is that you know, work ethic was high. His attitude was good. Uh, excited about being here. I felt like by the time we came through spring ball that we'd made a lot of strides in that area because you're right, when you do bring guys in, veteran guys, older guys in, um, it does not always go smoothly, and it can be it can be a challenge. We, we've been fortunate. I think this, this group has come together very well. So we talked last week about how you were going to send some coaches out uh, to do some recruiting to an extent. Uh, you being new with a new staff, how long does it take you to establish relationships with high school coaches? It takes a while. It does. And we're fortunate in the fact that part of how I developed the staff was to make sure that, that we had some built-in relationships. Obviously, DJ, T. Alavea, and Al Lafuajo, both those guys 
uh, knowing the state, knowing all the coaches in the state here was helpful, and some guys off the field that are connected to the state of Utah. Guys uh, like uh, Nick Premsky, who's already on my staff, uh, Kyle Cephalo, who's already on my staff, uh, Anthony Tucker, all those guys being connected to California. Uh, and then and we've got uh, Chucky and, and Ray Brown, myself, uh, Coach Banda, that all are connected to Texas. And then there's some areas in between that, that we're going to utilize. You know, Denver, Kansas JCs, in the into Vegas. Uh, you know, they're really, if you look at our staff, there were already some, some at least some, uh, you know, at least somewhat some connected areas that we could start working on. Now, I think to really get ingrained, it definitely takes a recruiting cycle or more. Uh, but that's why those those relationships were important to start with to kind of get us get it, get us going. So PK and I were waiting to have on a uh, local coach in person, and there was a scheduling snafu. And he's like, "No big deal. I've got uh, some recruiting uh, text to r- respond to." And so we got to do whatever else it was we had to do. And while we're doing it, I can't help but notice this guy sitting over here, and he is just working it. And I cannot, and I never know. I mean, he's sitting 20 feet away. I don't know if there's long text, short text, a word, a sentence, a paragraph. But I'm like, I wonder how many people he has to text in a given day. Can you share just a little bit about the intensity of recruiting and the number of relationships? You're You're in a state with 100 high school football teams, and you're recruiting out of state on top of that. Yeah, it really never stops. Um, I mean, you're sitting there watching a game on Saturday, and, and you're texting back and forth with multiple guys. You're sitting at dinner on a Thursday night with your family, and you got a recruit that 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 you're you're going to call or, or is expecting a call, or you're texting back and forth with him about, "Hey, I'm coming to the game, coach," or, "Or hey, man, good luck on your game." It, it really, truly never stops. You're on the beach in the summer with your family trying to enjoy vacation and you've got a call. Hey, I got to go take this call. This is the only time I can talk to this kid and his parents. I mean, it it is year round. If you don't do a good job of it, you are eventually going to see it on the field. You've got to recruit. Uh, It is the most important thing you do and then developing them from that point on. So guys, when you're really in the heat of it, it, it's, it's an all day, every day type thing. There are some, Small, I guess, windows where it slows down a little bit, but uh, but if you look at the calendar, it, there's not much. It, it is something you have to enjoy doing. Make yourself be disciplined to do it all the time, and you're basically available pretty much 24 seven. Well, you got a circumstance where you already said that in the Vegas, as far as recruiting, would you send guys out Friday night in Vegas? Yeah, we absolutely will be at a few games on Friday night. We've got some kids that we're actively recruiting and, and even a couple committed kids in the area that uh, we'll split up uh, on Friday night. And uh, I'll eat dinner with the, with, the, with the players when we get to the hotel and a handful of coaches will go, go be visible and go watch some guys play. And that's, that's pretty typical in most areas if it's in your, if it's in your footprint uh, where you get to do that. We, we actually do that here at home on home games. Uh, get a chance to go watch the guys play if we can, but uh, but an area like Vegas, an area when you go into California to play, I'm sure people going to play San Diego State, they're going to get out and about and watch some games on a Friday night if they can. You know, it's so interesting. I've seen coaches line the fence at games. It's like it's um, <laughs> it's almost like uh, 
it's almost like an art, you know, it's it's like a painting or something. I see coaches who will stand on the sideline, but they make sure they stand way away from the coaching boxes. They don't have a good view of the game, but it's specifically so the kids will see them. They stand out. They don't blend in a crowd. And at a school that has a ramp down to the field like Cottonwood High, every coach lines the chain link fence. So when the guys go for warm-ups, they get seen. It's like you're playing like every last little angle. Well, yeah, you they got to know you're there. I mean, they, they need to know that you're there as much as anything that you spent the time and energy to be there. That's how much you think of them. Obviously, you want to get a great look at them as well. But most of these guys, uh, to be honest with you, we've watched so much on them. We already know you're there to kind of check that last box. Like, hey, man, I made this trip so you could see me. That You know us. You mean enough to us that we, we came to see you play. Uh, there are some younger guys on the roster, obviously, you're trying to get a good early look at, and and occasionally, you know, you'll see a guy. And you're like, man, yeah, you know, he he uh, he outperformed what we expected, or or man, he had a great game, or he did something unique. But but you're right, a lot of it just has to do with you showed up. He knows you showed up, and that may be what you know what matters most at the end. Well, coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week after the game in Las Vegas. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. You never know what high school kids notice or where they're looking or where they're, what they're doing. It was the weirdest thing, PK, but there was a game, uh, there was a big game, Weaver High up in, in Region 1, and you know Matt Coma, and he's up there shooting highlights for us. There's a kid running down the sideline, breaking a big play for a touchdown. Two defenders, they're, they're, they're a step, step and a half back. The kid's going to outrun them the end zone, but it is a foot race. He's at the 20 to 15 going in, and he's still chugging, and he looks and he sees Matt's camera pointed right at him, and he's got the ball in the right hand, and with the left hand, he points at the camera, and he keeps trucking into the end zone. Now, his coach would probably bust his chops for doing that, <laughs> but he did it. You never know what they notice. You never, ever know. No, recruiting is 24-7. You've got to be seen. I have seen with my own eyes Mike Krzyzewski and not at the same time Roy Williams standing at the door of a casino in Vegas during the summer just to make sure that kids coming through the front door into the lobby of the hotel casino, not just like a, you know, a holiday inn or something, but a big casino to where you can get lost in those things very easily. But they stood right by the, the second portion of the double doors and they're just standing there and it was clear why they were standing there to be seen when the kids come in after playing their games in Vegas during the summer. The bus is going to drop them off, and they all got to go up to the rooms, and they know the time, and they know the path, and they are there. Yeah, I said, what up, K? He said, not much, PK. How's it going? MK and PK just hanging out by the door. No, no, that, oh, yeah, MK, that's right. I was always Coach K, but, yeah, that was his, his first name is Mike. You're right, MK, yeah. I just, I said, actually, I did say hello to him and just made a little uh, meaningless chit-chat on the way to I was there for that very reason too I was down there to look at some guys and do a story on Summer League DJ and PK it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone your feedback coming up next stay with us and it's all over almost here don't go nowhere time for your feedback how can you explain BYU losing to Boise State at home and Utah crushing USC in LA Ryan says rain The rain, huh? Boise State rain for rain for one team. Yeah, Boise State didn't play in the rain. <laughs> it stopped. Everything dried out. 
And, of course, it was perfect weather in Southern California. That was Chamber of Commerce type stuff down there, man. Everybody, go vacation in Southern California. I would actually, I would advise most people up here to move back down there. (laughs) Crowd those freeways, open ours up. (laughs) Tyler says it's because the ball isn't round. It bounced against the Y. Wouldn't have mattered how it bounced if they hadn't dropped it. Ball security, man. Got to do it. You got to buckle down. It's crazy when you think about it that through five games, they literally had zero fumbles lost, and then they lose three against Boise. That is just, it's remarkable when you think about it, how you've been so good over here, and then boom, it not only hits you once, it hits you three times, and each one was devastating. Either gave up points or cost yeah. you points. I mean, it's yeah. easy to say it was, uh, what, 17, 21-point swing in a nine-point game? I think you can, yeah. yeah. I think you can go there. So hold on to the ball. We had Samson Nakua on, if you missed it uh, earlier. It's up at 1280thezone.com. And asked him about the difference, you know, with the two coaches having coached together for so long. What's the difference in the way Kalani and Kyle handle things? And he said, well, they, they both stress the importance of turnovers, but Kalani's a little more forgiving when it happens. I think that's because Kalani was an offensive guy who fumbled during his career, and Kyle was a defensive guy who knocked fumbles loose as a linebacker. Linebacker mentality. Mm, well, there's something that I would like to say, but I can't say it. <laughs> okay. Yes, don't say that. Uh, we got another one here. Um, this one comes in from Randrew. Hey, both teams gave up 26 points. This is the same thing. Except for the scoring 42 and the scoring 17 part. Yeah, it's funny that uh, the tw- uh, same score that Utah lost to BYU, yeah. BYU lost to Boise, and it was almost the same score within a point or two of the ASU game, and mistakes by the Devils factored heavily into it. And you can say, well, that was the difference, and this was the difference over here, but in the end, it doesn't matter. The The Cougars beat the Devils, and Boise beat BYU. You can go back and forth till you're blue in the face, and it really doesn't matter. The reality is, sure, those things factored into it, but nevertheless, you lost. It's like with the Jazz. They had injuries, and all right, sure, and Mitchell couldn't do this or that, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't because, therefore, you lost. Your season's over. The other guy goes on in the playoff, and same thing here. What you need to do is make sure you minimize your mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. You're dealing with humans, so there's going to happen. It's going to happen, but you've got to minimize them. And really, with both of these games coming up here, for I expect Utah State to roll, but as far as Utah and BYU, I can make a strong case right now on Monday, five days away from the game, that whoever makes the fewer mistakes in both of those back 12 BYU-Baylor games, the winner is going to be the team who makes the fewer mistakes between the two. Yeah, and the only people who agree with you are Herm Edwards, Kyle Whittingham, Kalani Sataki. Now, sometimes you can't say that because the disparity is great, but I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great at all between these two teams in each uh, respective uh, game. I don't know that the talent level is substantially different. I have a better feel for ASU-Utah than I do Baylor, 
and as I look at these two teams here, having watched them play a number of times this year and follow their programs as we do, yeah, I really believe it. Uh, who's going to make the fewer mistakes? If the Devils come to Utah and play like they did against BYU, there's no doubt in my mind Utah wins. But they've cleaned up their act since then. Maybe that was the wake-up call they needed. BYU, that was the wake-up call. But at the same time, Utah's got to feel awfully good about itself here. You're 2-0 and with Cam Rising, and what happened last month really is completely and totally irrelevant. 2-0 and and ASU who's the only other team with an undefeated record in the conference. Take care of business Saturday. It's all on the table Saturday night. Right. It's all right there. Well, And for, yeah, and for BYU, go score points. 17's not a winning number. Greg Rubel's tweeting out numbers this morning. He says that is 19 straight losses for the Cougars when they fail to get to 20 points. We know without that streak, we still know 17 is rarely a winning number in college football. It is... Occasionally, but rarely. Well, sure. Score points. Duh. I don't need a stat to tell me that. DJ PK, Hands, and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.